Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From the WEEI Studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. The app. He is far from perfect, Trenny. He's thin, number one, and he runs a lot. And so there's some question there as to whether or not he'd be able to stay healthy because not only does he run a lot, but he is not afraid of contact. And I think he needs to smarten up, honestly, at the next level to make sure he stays healthy. I would also say he has some in terms of processing, some hesitation behind the line. There's some questions about how how quickly does he see it, but he does take care of of the football, which is important to me. And the way one evaluator put it, Trenny, is this. If he makes a leap similar to the one that he made from 2022 to 2023, at any point in his pro career, you could be talking about one of the best quarterbacks in football. And that, to me, is what's worthy of a top three selection. Welcome in, Jones and Mego here on WEEI. No Arcan today. I feel like already my headphones are not operating at peak efficiency. What is going on? Yeah, what's happening with you over there? I don't know. My headphones aren't. Uh, did something happen to them? Quite did, operating did well. Did someone mess with them? Try to get to the uh, bottom of this. I'm going to blame Gresh. Uh-oh. Are you having an input situation? <laughs> Do you need the little, like, dongle thing? The adapter? Could be. Technical difficulties to start the show. Uh, whatever, we'll make it work. Uh, no Arcan today. I, I Really, I blame him. I blame Gresh. I blame Arcan. These are the main people I'm blaming on the show today. That was Phil Perry on Jaden Daniels. And, well, just one of the overarching storylines of the Combine this weekend. Uh, or this upcoming week, I should say. Uh, how do we feel now that Combine week is here, Mego? Is it officially like we're getting into the offseason, finally? Am I just a complete and utter doofus? For being excited about the Combine this week? No. I know that the last show calls it the Underwear Olympics, 
And we got Caleb Williams isn't going to be throwing. Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't going to be doing anything besides, I think, just meeting with people and talking to people. But at the same time, you're sitting here with the number three pick. You got a first-time coach who's actually going there. You've got a mysterious quasi-GM who's actually going to talk to people there, talk to the media there. Like, I am very interested. I don't know. Maybe I'm just deprived. Maybe my hopes for the number three pick are too high. I'm a dork for the combine this week. I see no reason not to be excited. Like, well, uh, we had to watch the Patriots all year. Mean anything. No, it's I know, a circus. We, we had to watch the horrible product all year. We had to watch the game all year. Like, now we're finally getting to the point where, oh, okay, we might actually see some improvements on the team, see some additions to the team, get what we're looking for for the team. So, no, I'm excited to get a look at some of these prospects. Not that they're all throwing. Caleb Williams isn't going to throw, but he'll be there. Jaden Daniels isn't going to throw. He'll be there. I think Drake May is throwing, right? I haven't seen anything different. Am I missing anything on Drake May? I haven't May? seen anything on him. I think he's throwing just based on the the absence of any reporting that he won't be. Marvin Harrison Jr. is blowing off the whole thing. So not every prospect will be there. Not every prospect will be doing everything. Wait, Marvin Harrison Jr. will be there, right? No, I don't think so. Oh, he's I staying in he... Columbus. Oh, damn. My bad. I misread Albert Breer. I thought that he was going to be there f- to talk, but he wasn't going to be there for uh, any of the work. I don't think he's going to be there at all. And so, to me, it's still your first opportunity to get up close and personal with some of these prospects and get to know them beyond tape and get some real intel and finalize some real things going into draft season because, let's face it, between free agency and the draft, there's a lot the Patriots have to do. Uh, So we'll get to it with all your phone calls, 617-779-7937. You're hyped about the Combine, Mego. You're into the combine. Like that just feels so dorky. Don't let don't oh, let Gresham Fourier. So hyped about the combine. Let's go three code drill. Don't let Gresham Fourier uh, talk you down. Vertical. I'm surprised they're not in on the combine. Why would they not be in on the combine? I would think that this would be totally in their wheelhouse. Was yeah. there something, uh, Ryan? Do you remember? Was there something that happened to Fourier at the combine that like <laughs> traumatized him? I don't that he's anti combine. No, I I just think he looks at this like a lot of people look at this like ah, it's just a you know a circus as you would say. And I mean, what value can you really get from a guy who's throwing in a t shirt and in sweatpants and not you know have a, a pass rush coming at him? Yeah, I, what do they want to talk more Bruins? Like what what do those two want to talk? Fourier so a, definitely. So wants they don't. To talk so they don't. Bruins, I would think yes. they would nerd out about like how fast the offensive line guys move. Like. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I would think this would be way more in their. I thought wheelhouse. they wanted to go to the combine. I thought they wanted to make a trip to the combine. To to the I, thought, combine I thought that's yes. what they want. Now they don't like the combine. They just want to go to the steakhouse prime that turns into a club. At that night. makes more sense. They want the social scene that yeah. goes along with the combine in Indy. Fine. Uh, so you're excited about the combine. Don't be shamed into it, Mego. Uh, although if you want to shame Mego, you know the number. Uh, what interests you the most about the combine since you're looking forward to it? Okay, so we put this out as our big cue at two. It's out on our Twitter handle. If you want to weigh in and if you want to tell us how stupid the combine is and it doesn't matter, that's one of the options. But I would go with this. I have to say that it's the expectation of Elliot Wolf talking tomorrow to the media because this is not something that we regularly get as people following the Patriots. Bill Belichick didn't go to the combine last year at all doesn't didn't always go we didn't get any kind of gm because wolf's not a gm but he is seems to be acting that way he's holding this press conference this guy seems to have so much influence over the direction that this team is moving in the coaches that they're hiring i happen to think that he'll have a lot of say in the personnel that they bring in what they do in the draft and we have never really seen him at least i can't think of in a press setting. 
We've seen him in little packaged videos for Patriots.com where he's giving canned quotes that are edited. I've never seen him actually have to face the media. And I'm just intrigued, not just how he's going to carry himself, but what his answers are going to be around this number three pick and even just how the freaking, like, front office is operating. He's going to have to answer some questions. Yeah, so to me, if it's just the novelty of, like, what's he going to sound like, how does he handle the Q&A, fine. Because we've never heard it. But I don't expect him to say much. Do you expect him to say much? Like, do you expect him to give up any, like, big secrets? I just don't expect that. I want all the secrets. I don't think he's going to give up big secrets, but perhaps he'll add something. So Andy Hart had a checklist of things he wants. Eight things he wants to hear from Elliot Wolf at the Combine. It's up now on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Get it on your phone. You can check out uh, Andy Hart's blogging there. Uh, Whether or not he has final say over the roster. Like, he's not going to answer that. His relationship with Gerard Mayo and Matt Groh. You know what they're going to say? What? That's a collaboration. No, exactly. They're going to do the same thing they've done all offseason, and they're all going to cover for Kraft and Jonathan Kraft and Robin Glazer, who are actually running personnel. They're all going to pretend like that's not the case, but that's what they're going to do. Mayo and Groh's relationship, uh, or his relationship with each of them, are two and three for Andy Hart. Like, I'm sure that's going to be a bunch of corporate-speak nonsense. The number three pick, I don't think he's going to answer that. The quarterback class, he might. That was one that Andy Hart wanted to hear. What they do with the franchise tag, maybe he'll answer. Are they going to burn cash? I doubt he answers that. And some general philosophy. Like, maybe two things he's really going to answer. So, Ryan said this before the show, Mego. Elliot Wolf, could he go up there and be the new macro where you just look at him and go, oh, my God, he's just some NFL lifer's kid who's not ready. Maybe. Like, I would be very intrigued by that if when he talks football, tomorrow. This is the place to be. You know, just like another uh, – underqualified and just thrown to the wolves. And and maybe we'll see it with Elliot Wolf. But my guess is he doesn't answer much. And so to me, it's about the quarterbacks. And if Drake May is there, great. And if you're still just interviewing Jaden Daniels and Caleb Williams and they don't throw, I still think you can find out a lot about them. Never mind measurements. Never mind what you're hearing, the general buzz around the combine about these guys. This really should be aligning the tape because you've scouted all these guys. Hopefully you've watched them in person over the course of their final year in college at you know, LSU and North Carolina and USC in the case of the top three. Hopefully you've seen them. Hopefully you've watched the tape. This really should be the final piece to the puzzle. And never mind on other prospects like Michael Penix who have massive medical red flags. This really should be the final piece to the puzzle. And from here on out, you should pretty much know what you're doing going into free agency and whether or not you need to address the quarterback position outside of the draft um, or whether you're locked in on a guy. And I think this is where they find out. So to me, not to oversimplify it, but it is the quarterbacks, uh, your options outside of that up now again at Jones and Mego hearing from Elliot Wolf, which Mego wants to hear. Uh, it's the quarterback stupid. That's where I'm at. Gerard Mayo attending very, very low vote totals thus far. Ryan, you think the uh, the combine itself doesn't tell you much? That's how you would vote? I've never thought that it does. I know a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys working this station are very keen on on seeing these guys go out there and, and throw Who? With no shells. I really feel like I'm in the minority oh, over I, here. I like the combine. I'm with you Listen, on that. Listen, I do a Saturday program every Saturday morning with Chris Scheim. Chris nice Scheim plug. loves, thank you, uh, to sit and, and watch these guys. So and me, Mego, really and Scheim. Break down. That's, I think that's about it. I'm, I'm very, I didn't hear Gresham Fourier, but I am very surprised that that is the tone they are taking on the combine. But I agree. I don't take a lot of stock in what these guys can do, you know, in, in an empty stadium with, with nobody rushing at him. Like, oh, cool, Anthony Richardson hit the ceiling. That's amazing. How good was he last year? I don't know because he got hurt.
Yes. So I think, like, I, I got to be a little more clear on this. Please. I'm not excited about watching three cone drills or 40-yard dash oh, or I anything am. like that. I'm like, in. I don't. I agree that those stats don't really translate You're not going to give up love is blind for, for a little three-cone <laughs> drill action? I do find the hand measurements hysterical. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I, I'm exactly what I'm talking about. Full approval of hand measurements. But... Uh, I think what people don't realize about the Combine is this is a total gossip fest. Like, it's a gossip fest, okay? There's going to be a whole bunch of media out there. There's going to be a whole bunch of coaches. There's going to be a lot of younger front office people who are trying to throw their weight around and finagle things behind the scenes. And a lot does happen there. Not in terms of what you're looking at for... I I don't think they're going to look at it and be like, you know what? screw going with the number three pick for quarterback. We are so blown away by J.J. McCarthy today. If that is the tack that they're taking, then I'm like, holy smokes. Okay, but you acknowledge they could... They could fall in love with J.J. McCarthy at the Combine and consider trading back, for instance. If they do that, I think they're finding themselves in another Mac Jones situation. Okay, they might be, but I'm just saying, I'm interested in the quarterbacks, and you're right, there's a lot of gossip there. I think two years ago, that's how we knew Patricia and Judge turn the Patriots into a laughingstock. And all we heard was that everybody was flabbergasted. Yeah, the Patriots were a laughingstock. They were a joke. It's the high school cafeteria, and everybody's talking about you in the middle of the high school cafeteria. And I love it. You have toilet paper stuck to your shoe or whatever. And so that's how we found out about that. There will be more gossip. There will be more rumor mongering, all of which I like. And I think the Patriots will, again, finally set their board and have a good idea on what they're going to do in the draft. Will they trade back? There is growing reporting that they could consider the idea of moving down the draft board. How would you feel about that as a Patriots fan? Will they lock in on a quarterback? Do you have a favorite? You can jump in on this. 617-779-7937. And furthermore, what interests you the most about the combine? Do you want to hear from Elliot Wolf? What would you want to hear from him? He's going to talk tomorrow. Are you locked in on these quarterbacks? Gerard Mayo also scheduled to be there. What can we learn about him? Or are you with Ryan and Gresh and Fourier? And I guess most people on this station, the combine doesn't matter. You can't find anything oh, out. The interviews are so interesting. Why are you so focused on if it? If you were a tree, what kind of fruit would you grow? Sixty. That's a good question. 617-779-7937. You can jump in there. You can vote at Jones and Mego, our big question of the day. We start every show with it here on WEEI. Uh, we will get into what they're doing with the number three pick. We also won't be all Patriots. It's all day long. Uh, We have some Red Sox items coming up. Sounds like they could be locking in on a free agent. Emphasis on could be locking in on a free agent. We'll get to the Bruins as well. They're falling apart. Are they finally ready to take my advice at the trade deadline? My advice from, oh, I don't know, last trade deadline. We'll get to that. Ryan Garvin with all the latest in trending, and we're right back with what the Patriots are doing at number three. Adam Jones. Okay. Megan Adelini. This is some sh- Christian Arcan. Hey, Adams has a boost that I kind of like. This is Jones and Mecco with Arcan on WEEI. Based off right now, I'm of the view that the first three quarterbacks on the draft are capable enough that no matter what happens at pick one yeah. and pick two, the Patriots, bereft of a quarterback option right now on the roster and needing to plug so many gaps elsewhere that even if you just added like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Roma Dunes and Malik Neighbors, like they're still so far away that the advantage you're gathering uh, from having one of those players is sort of neutralized that I would just take whoever quarterback three is. Field Yates last week discussing the Patriots and what they can do at the number three pick. I think there's a lot of intrigue with the Patriots and their plans. With the Combine getting ready to get underway next week, uh, or tomorrow, rather, this week, 
in Indianapolis. Uh, it's Jones and Mego. No Arcan today. Uh, Zeke just popped his head in in the last break and said Arcan has taken quite a beating in the Twitch chat. I've not. Uh, I've been fussing with my headphones for. 20 minutes straight. So and in been, baseball uh, news, the San Francisco Giants have agreed to a three-year, $42 million deal with the, with San, the San Francisco, Francisco Giants. Giants. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, so I've been I've been uh, fiddling around with my headphones for 20 minutes. I haven't seen the, the Twitch chat, but they're, they've been raking Arcan over the coals well, pretty good. I'll say this. Arcan will be back, but we don't know when. <laughs> he wanted to take all this credit last week. He's like, I showed up on Friday. Right. Because you and I each took one day. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I can tell you, by the way, Twitch chat, if you're listening, my mother-in-law just left town. But she's not She's not happy with really social media comments in general. My my, my mother-in-law is not she's happy with your there? comments. Yeah, oh, she's, oh, she's on she there. She's Twitter, lurking. Twitter, Instagram, what is her preferred It's a good question. Media. It's a great question. I think it's Instagram. Instagram is generally nicer than Twitter. I think I it might found. be Twitter as well. Twitter is definitely... I highly definitely... doubt she's in the Twitch chat, but just know, my mother-in-law is not happy with you people in general. Just know that. Okay. Well, I think that it's very sweet that she's protective of you. But I'll say this for the different platforms. I used to be a big Twitter person. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really enjoyed Twitter because I thought it, there was, it was just more fun than Instagram. And Instagram is all like, look at my butt. <laughs> like, look what good shape I'm in. Right, Aren't I, like I that. pretty? I do like that. <laughs> and, and then now I've kind of switched gears because Twitter is just, it's just, a, it's a rage pit. Like it is full of rage. If you want to be outraged about something, that's where you go. And you can be outraged in real time with everybody else about some call in an NBA game or something. But then when it yeah. turns to real life outrage, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Yeah, as much. sports outrage, though. I'm for it. Uh, so you don't have to listen to my mother in law. That's fine. Uh, but you can jump in uh, at Jones and Mego. Maybe she'll vote there. Uh, what interests you the most about the combine? Right now it is the quarterbacks. 37% are jumping out. Second place is with Ryan. Combine's dumb. 31%. Don't care about the combine. Suck it, super pack. I just here's here's part of what I think it is. I think Patriots fans, you haven't drafted up here for so long, you might forget. Like you may be underestimating, believe it or not, the significance of this pick at number three. Twenty nine percent, and I imagine this number will go up. Uh, to your point, Ryan, about the super pack, they'll follow Mego's suit. Uh, but twenty nine percent want to hear from Elliot Wolf slash Elliot Wolf, and four percent care that Gerard Mayo's attending. Do you think it's weird he'll be there, but he won't be talking? Do you find that weird at all? Not really. He's not the GM, so it's not really about him. I think it's more interesting that he's going to be there because when we heard from him at the end of last week, it sounded like sounded it like was, he definitely wasn't going to be there. He made it sound like it was up in the air, but like he wasn't going to go. And now all of a sudden he's going. I think that that is, I'm not going to say it's like a veiled shot at Bill because I think it's kind of ridiculous, but I do think it's kind of presenting a different PR advantage of, oh, look, you know, it's his first time, so he's going to be at the combine. Well, Bill he's generally putting went. in all the work he didn't go last no, year. no no he didn't go last year but gener- yeah. but bill was there almost every year i think until until last year which you reported on at the time mego mego had breaking I news was. on this show that bill would not be at the combine and then there is there is some like strange contradictions that were coming from within the building and at the end of the day i want to say i was right and that person's not here anymore uh, <laughs> so it's, a, it's a good point uh mego's reporting chops quite good uh, on that front. So we're not going to talk combine all day. We're not going to talk number three pick all day. We will get to some of these dynasty episodes. Nothing but hand size. Our takeaways. Uh, look, I believe in the hand size at quarterback. You need, a, you need a big hand to grip the football in winter in New England. You do. Our can's not here, but yeah. I do have an idea. I think that we need to do a combine type series for all of EEI. We got to do hand size. Okay. 
Maybe we do a little wingspan. Maybe uh-huh. we do vertical jump. I'm not going to make people do three cones. I would like to see like Fourier that. move that little scooter of his around three cones. That would be great content. That would, yeah, that would be great. No, don't you think though? I think this is where we start getting some it, comparisons. I think it we would do be great. our EEI combine. I think it would be great. I feel like we needed to plan that earlier than the day before the afternoon before the combine well, starts. Well, the good news like, is I the combine like, is all week. No, I understand, but I just feel like some planning on this might have might have served okay, well. Okay, I'm going to plan it, and we'll have it by Thursday. How okay. about that? Okay, I like it. Good. Uh, 617-779-7937. How would you vote? Uh, what are you interested in? If anything, at the Combine, um, that number three pick to me is, well, obviously not just a, a big pick for the Patriots. It's a pivot point in the draft. And I think the more you start to read up on this stuff, the more you realize that people are looking at the Patriots as you know the team where things could start to go different directions. I don't think people look at the commanders that way. I think people believe the commanders are locked in on a quarterback. Um, maybe the Bears, Peter King had something today where he seems to feel that the Bears could be trading that pick. That's the first time I've read that in a while. I mean, I know it's been out there, but it's the first real quote-unquote reputable person. Happy retirement, by the way, uh, to Peter King uh, after 40 years. And so maybe the Bears are moving that pick. I, I kind of think the draft starts with the Patriots at three, which does lead to some intrigue about what they could do with the pick, meaning... Who are they taking? Is it a quarterback? If it's not, is it Harrison? If it's not, is it an offensive lineman? Or could they trade back? Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said on Friday, or I'm sorry, Thursday, we talked about this the last show Mego and I were in last week. Uh, He said on a conference call that he did with all the different markets around the NFL, uh, to me, it would be tough to pass on a quarterback, similar to what Field Yates just said. You're not guaranteed to be up there again. There's no guarantee in future years what it looks like at the position. I think you have three guys who are worthy of consideration there. Burt Breer passed along some very interesting things today. Oh, my God. What did he say? Uh, You know, it's the best quarterback class in at least the last five years and maybe like once in a a, a decade type of quarterback class, right? Well, he was talking to Jim Nagy. So he was going around uh, interviewing a couple different people just to get a perspective of what their differing opinions about the combine are, not just, you know, his own opinion. And, yeah, uh, basically the quotes that he got were that, this is a once-in-every-five-year quarterback class. Quarterback specifically, not just the combine itself. Yeah. The, there, it is such a deep first round, really falls off after the third round, but that the first round is so stacked that it sounds like it's kind of hard to go wrong with these different positions. If you want quarterback, if you want tackle, that's where you want to live in that first round. But also just the way that he talked about the possibility that overall in this draft, there could be nine NFL starting quarterbacks, which is just ridiculous. And I know that sounds like hard to believe, but then when he says it's a once in five years draft, and if you want to go to Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams uh, grades significantly higher than Trevor Lawrence at this point, like all this kind of nerdy stuff, all it to say, I still feel like number three pick Definitely quarterback. The more I hear, the more I'm like, just stay there. Take the risk. Take a swing on one of these guys. Yeah, and that's how I feel. And that's how I felt all along. And even if it wasn't a once every five or ten years quarterback draft, I would say you're up there. There's three of them. Get one of them. That's been my stance. That will remain my stance. We all can prioritize those three however we want. And I continue to go May, Williams, Daniels. But they should take one. And I still feel that way, whether I hear it from Jim Nagy or Burt Breer or whomever. The other side of the coin, though, Mego. I'm sorry. Let me let me double down on this because I have the quote right in front of me. He said it's probably a once-in-a-decade kind of class. Yeah. Once in a decade. Yeah. And, you know, some Patriots fans want to take Joe Alt. 
uh, or Marvin Harrison, who quote-unquote can't miss. And the more I read about him, the more I think he can kind of miss. It has nothing to do with him not working out at the Combine. But I, I don't want a 6'4 outside receiver. That's not what I want. Not at number three. I want a receiver who can move around the formation. I like Malik Neighbors, but it's a separate argument for a separate time. The idea that he can't miss is stupid. But Jeremy Fowler is the other side of this coin. And he said yesterday on SportsCenter, I'm looking at teams to move up in the draft for a quarterback. And there, I think, are three of them, maybe four, who you can look at that would move up. The Giants are definitely one. I think the Falcons are another debatable one. I think the Vikings and Raiders are the other two. Okay, so you're talking 6, 8, 11, and 13, I believe. He said somebody's going to move up, and I'm looking at the Raiders. That's a team that could be a mover and a shaker around draft time because of Antonio Pierce. He has an affinity for Jaden Daniels. They were together at Arizona State. He said that's a connection, and it's strong enough for them to move up from 13 to 3, uh, potentially New England spot. He said that would be tough, but I think that's on their radar at least. So let's play that out. It goes Williams 1 to Chicago. It goes Drake May number 2 to Washington. You're on the board. You can take Jaden Daniels, or you can move down to pick 13, where now you're picking up future first-round picks, meaning you know 13 this year, uh, next year's first rounder, probably second and third rounders this year, maybe another first rounder down the line. Like to move down 10 spots, you're going to be accumulating a lot of draft capital. I know Tom Curran likes this approach. I know there are others that like this approach. I'm staying and taking the quarterback. I know you're staying and taking the quarterback, but I'm curious what Patriots fans would do. Is that enticing? You know, the Justin Jefferson trade continues to come up. His name remains out there, uh, he's available. Uh, let me pull this up for you. I saw this from uh, AI bot, Dove Clayman, yesterday on Twitter. Uh, he is, quote, tweeting Charlie Walters, who is a, a Vikings beat reporter. He says there's steam the Vikings could make Justin Jefferson available via trade. So if the Vikings are looking to move up, would you take Jefferson and something uh, to move back and pass on someone like Jaden Daniels? If the Raiders are moving up, will you take a haul to pass on someone like Jaden Daniels? I would not. I would not. But I'm curious where the fans are at. You can jump in. 617-779-7937, along with our big question of the day. Up now, at Jones and Mego, uh, what interests you the most about the Combine? Do you think Jefferson will really move? I don't. I don't either. I think it's maybe in a different, um, I guess, market, especially with free agency. There's so many guys who could move. Even somebody like uh, T. Higgins could get a tag and trade because they also have to pay Jamar Chase yep. over in Cincinnati. So you got Mike Evans out there. We'll see what happens with Pittman Jr. Like, there's just such – it's the opposite of what the wide receiver market was at this time last year, where Jacoby Myers was the sexiest free agent, and then you'd have one or two guys who were maybe going to get traded. I just don't think it's, like, advantageous for him. No, and – I was reading uh, Florio over the weekend. He made a compelling case, and he's a Vikings fan, I think, like a childhood Vikings fan. Uh, but he made a compelling case that, well, the Vikings already weren't paying Justin Jefferson. Now the cap has gone up a crap load. Yes. Right? An extra whatever it was, $10 million than what was projected. So if Jefferson's smart and his representation is smart, he's going to ask for even more money than he was already asking for. Like, hey, wait a minute. You told me to take this number. The cap's even higher than we thought. It'll probably be higher next year and the year after that. No, no, no. My number just went up. And so maybe that pushes the Vikings to make a deal. My guess is he stays. And even if he's available, I want the quarterback. What good is Justin Jefferson if you have the 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 crap quarterbacks that were throwing to him last year after Cousins got hurt? It isn't any good to you. Well, and by the way, Jones, we get one of these stories, I swear, 
every three or four days, this other wide receiver, Steph Diggs, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's T. Justin Jefferson, yeah. yeah, T. Higgins tag and trade. I'm not sitting here saying that these great wide receivers are a dime a dozen because that's misconstruing it. But you certainly don't get these stories with quarterbacks. No. And there's a reason for that. And so when you say Marvin Harrison Jr. is a lock, he's going to be a generational talent. I want him. You can build everything else around him. You can get a quarterback like Bo Nix or you can get somebody the next year. I don't really buy it. Like these quarterbacks stay put most of the time. And these receivers are constantly... Jumping from, you know, the Vikings to the Bills to the Raiders to Philly to Miami. Like, you can get receivers in other avenues. Yeah, and Arkand is about the staunchest, hey, go get a quarterback uh, or go get a receiver. You can find quarterbacks. But we even got him to bend the knee last week and say, it's probably more likely you can find a receiver than a quarterback. <laughs> Which, thank you, Arkand. Uh, you know, very, very necessary uh, to be here for that. He's off all week, by the way, uh, here on Jones and Mega without Arkand. On WEEI. Let's get to some phone calls. A lot of you waiting patiently. We'll start it off with our buddy Jonathan in Randolph. What's up, Jonathan? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, first thing, um, does Arkan have the most generous contract in radio at the moment? Because uh, <laughs> the Daisy's taken off. Like, wow. Uh, it's flex time. Um, is, uh, I would say it has more to do with that. Uh, uh, Odyssey's policies than uh, anything in his deal. But, yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I about had, a, like, a conniption when I, I think it was Tom Curran said, like, you know, trade down from three and then you can, you know, get a bunch of picks and pick – pick up, you know, three or four starters. And I'm just like, Curran, you know better. To get, like, two starters in one draft is a home run. The the chances of getting, you know, a whole, you know, half a squad in in one draft is impossible. And first and second of all, getting the guy a quarterback is more important than any starter at any other position or any combination of them. And if you screw up, if it's a bust, then you try again. That's what this Super Bowl, latest Super Bowl, taught everybody. You need the guy. You need a top elite and you got to keep trying i don't want to build from the middle the outside whatever start with the quarterback and if it doesn't work do it again yeah and are we like are we sure that wolf is going to hit on all these picks it's like oh let's try we have no idea how he drafts we have no clue we have no clue what his role was up until this point like we don't know how much bill just came in and maybe stomped all over ideas that he had or that matt grow had or if he was the one who was really wheeling and dealing for 90 percent of the picks we don't know if they trade down it's self-preservation Mayo, Wolf. Oh, yeah. Whomever. It's just they're afraid. It's scared. It's, but they're not just afraid to miss on the quarterback. I think that's where a lot of fans are at. They're afraid about their own NFL mortality, their job security. If they trade back, that will be my read on Mayo and Wolf. They're not ready. They're not ready and they're afraid. And so they move back. And I have no idea how he'll draft, but I did read Reese over the weekend. Uh, he passed along some comments from, who was this? Oh, Andrew Brandt, who worked with Elliot Wolf under Ron Wolf. In the Packers program, he said, I believe before, during and after my tenure in the Packer way, which in its simplest, simplest terms is no quick fixes, quote unquote, slow and steady. That's the Packer way. Yes, apparently it's different than the Patriot way, uh, which is, you know, stab Bill Belichick in the back these days. Uh, trust your scouting, trust your board and almost mandate that your coaches will play young players. Again, this is Andrew Brandt to Mike Reese. Uh, so it's draft and develop. And then speaking to my end as a negotiator, once you identify those core players, get them under extension way before free agency. Okay, well, I don't hate that part. No, I don't hate it either, but that's that's the Packer way. Is Elliot, has, Do we have any indication Elliot Wolf is going to do any of that? Is that the model that he's trying to follow? They haven't locked up anybody yeah, so far. Yeah, that sounds to me like trade down, hoard picks, like build it. it out over three or four years, and then hopefully a quarterback emerges from the ether. This is what bothers me about all of this 
is that I don't disagree with how bad your roster is, particularly on offense, that you do need picks. You do need to build this out over a couple drafts. I absolutely agree. What bothers me is that then you have people in the know who are saying this is a once in a decade draft for quarterbacks. It's an amazing class. And you could have something like the Joe Burrow draft and you're going, well, we need to hoard picks. We need to do this the Packer way over a couple of years and a quarterback will come from somewhere. I'm just, I'm not, it's it's easy to look at it and say, oh, what's one more year? Let's build and let's wait one more year. Well, it's already been four since Brady left. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not one more year. It's now going to be half a decade that you're asking people to wait. And that's annoying. Uh, By the way, Reese had this from Daniel Jeremiah as well. Uh, He said that the Patriots were, uh, uh, had previously been one of the more niche drafting teams in the league. And they would catch you off guard. I think of Cole Strange. That would be a niche pick, catching you off guard, drafting Do you mean guys. Niche? Uh, yeah, niche, niche. Am I not? It, 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 you can pronounce I think both you can ways. Go either way. Yeah. yeah, right. Correct. But just making sure. Niche. 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 Ryan, can we have a ruling? I, I think Mego is just looking for any opportunity to jump on anybody on this show. <laughs> is that what it is? Oh, wait, that, come that's on. That's what it is. No, no, what no. That's what it is. On? Yeah, I'm on the niche side. Thank you. Niche. Niche. Uh, it's like a foreign word, right? No, that's like that's in the lacrosse world, you know, in the in the highfalutin, uh, high right. level money bags this lacrosse is, world. That's this how you is pronounce one of it. our niche plays. Yes, exactly. Lacrosse being a niche sport. Uh, they were obsessed with fit and might take a guy three rounds before anybody else. Jeremiah says he expects that to change with Elliot Wolf taking the leading role. Adding Wolf came up through the Green Bay system we were just referencing. Uh, so that's the best we have on Elliot Wolf, but nothing concrete. And we'll hear from him tomorrow, which Mego is looking forward to. Uh, Joe is in Randolph. Go ahead, Joe. Okay, let me get you out the speaker. Please. Yeah, I just I just wanted to say hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, Joe. Uh, I shouldn't Everyone worry except too much. Yeah, I shouldn't worry too much about this year's draft because I think the Patriots are going to stink for the next five years. So they're going to be in the top tier for drafts for the next six years. And so they're going to be able to draft a plethora of good players. Okay, so... That's, that's the a, plan. That's a nightmare scenario. That's the Sunny plan. disposition I, for a very terrible. Here's terrible one thing. thing. I'll, here's one thing I'll give the caller. Top five drafts. Here's one Top thing I'll give the caller. Five drafts. Because I feel like I've been guilty of saying it, and I hate stuff like this where everybody just says it and we assume it as fact. Daniel Jeremiah just said it. I've said it a bunch. Well, you're not going to be up here drafting again. I, I'm not so sure about that. You know, like you shouldn't be up here drafting again. You should not be drafting again at three. But let's not pretend like that's impossible. With Gerard Mayo and his crappy coaching staff and Elliot Wolf completely unproven ownership meddling who knows how they're going to spend and who knows how they're going to draft we have no clue how they're going to draft so I, I should not continue to peddle that line well you're never going to be up this high again no they could be hopefully they're not they shouldn't be but they could be doesn't this also though argue against trading back because let's say for the case of the Raiders that we just talked about that the Raiders move up and the Raiders could be good next year. They got more pieces than you do, and they love their coach there already. Yeah. So maybe the Raiders are good next year, and then you have a Raiders pick that isn't as high in the first round as maybe you would hope it would no, be. 100%. Is that worth it? A hundred percent. And so, what if they go get a quarterback, and that quarterback ends up fitting in seamlessly, like a Jaden Daniels, and then you've got no quarterback, think, and you've just got one pick that's somewhere low in the first round? I think the Cardinals did that last year, right? Didn't the Cardinals trade with Houston, and they're like, "Oh, we'll have a super high pick next year," and it turns out Houston won a round in the playoffs. So that is a dangerous game to play if you just assume somebody else's pick, the Danny Ainge model, is going to be super high in the draft. 617-779-7937. What do you want the Patriots doing at three? Would you entertain a trade back? Would you want a player like Justin Jefferson in return? These are things we've discussed in the past. Uh, furthermore, 
what do you want to hear at the Combine tomorrow? From Elliot Wolf, out of the Patriots, Gerard Mayo, uh, getting a look at some of these quarterbacks. You can vote in our big question of the day up now at Jones and Mego. Plus, let's get to the Red Sox. Are they finally, finally ready to make an upgrade to their rotation? We'll do that next. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI. You can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Save W-E-E-I's a favorite and listen wherever you go. Now, more of Jones and Mego on W-E-E-I. Do you get the sense that things have changed at all? I'm, I'm not sure we're yet seeing the implications of, you know, Bellinger signing, let's say, uh, you know, and I think a lot has been made of the, you know, the constraints or parameters that we are aren't working under. Um, you know, I think we'll obviously continue to look at every opportunity that's out there to, to improve the team um, while ensuring that we prioritize, uh, you know, kind of the the long term outlook alongside the shorter term outlook. Um, so I don't know is the short answer, um, but you know, it, w- it would be irresponsible not to find out. How's Craig Breslow yesterday? Let's not be irresponsible here. Come on. No, 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 no. no. Uh, they, they, the Red Sox are super irresponsible, aren't they? Uh, their spending is They're just so, so lavish. So reckless. Really? Rain it back, guys. Dial it down, please. Uh, Craig Breslow yesterday uh, during the game broadcast of some preseason action, uh, spring training action, I should say. Uh, Red Sox, they beat Northeastern, I saw, right? Good for them. It would have been really funny if they didn't, though. Oh, boy. Nice job, Red Sox. Don't say they can't beat a college team. How dare you? Uh, they're losing right now to Philadelphia. Uh, so we got our eyes on that here today. But interesting answer from Craig Breslow. And it aligns with a few other tweets that are out there today, along with some comments from Alex Cora. Uh, let me read these for you. Buster Olney tweeted out this morning, Red Sox had a Zoom meeting with Jordan Montgomery recently. Yay. I thought, weren't they... Wasn't he here in Boston? I thought so. His his wife is doing a, a like a residency, a residency here, right? So like you guys or are fellowship. You're some in kind the of same city. Residency thing. You're in the same city. You can't get a face to face with this guy. You got to zoom with him. Uh, but I digress. He'd represent an upgrade for their 24 rotation. Buster says. Well, was Breslow down in Florida? Now, but like they had all off season. Is my point to get a face to face? Yes, they just got around to it. Breslow is in Florida, though. Yeah, he was on the bro- he was on the broadcast yesterday. And if signed to a long-term deal, he could be part of the staff rotation. They certainly have the payroll flexibility to make it happen. And the reason that Breslow was talking about some of this movement in free agency is because Bellinger just signed. That's a Boris client, three years, $80 million. Maybe, just maybe, the market is loosening up a little bit. And some of these players are going to start to sign. Uh, Breslow wouldn't go there necessarily, but now we're getting some news on Jordan Montgomery. Peter Gammons. Also tweeted out, no spelling errors that I could see. This wasn't a pocket dial, though those are always very dangerous like with Gammons. like ampersand 7777 <laughs> David Ortiz. No, that's usually what his tweets are. Uh, this one, one NL executive yesterday said, we hear the Red Sox and Scott Boris had a good meeting recently and may get some deal eventually done on Jordan Montgomery. May get some deal done eventually on Jordan Montgomery. So what do you make of this news dovetailing with Breslow's comments yesterday. I'll read you what Alex Cora had to say earlier uh, this afternoon. But what do you make of that? Does that mean, are the Red Sox actually in, do you believe? And if they are, why? Why all of a sudden the movement? Well, let's go back a second, because Ryan just said in my ear that that Zoom meeting happened a week before spring training started. 
So they could have just met face-to-face. So they were all here in Boston and they Zoomed. Yeah, that's my yeah, point. They, like, they what were are you doing? just Zooming. Um, I think that what they're doing is they're trying to wait out the market and get him at the bottom dollar. Get him at the cheapest contract, as little commitment as they can make to him because they're looking around and seeing not a lot of these other Boris clients are moving right now. So can they get him for as cheap as possible? And maybe you think that that's the smart thing. Maybe you think that they're actually playing this the right way because Jordan Montgomery's not going anywhere else. So you can They've just, read the market. Exactly. They've nailed it. They weren't going to overpay. It's good business, that Whatever. sort of thing. To me, it's just another strike, another indication of how this front office is moving, which is slow, trying to get something at the biggest discount possible, like not really moving with any kind of, I don't know, decisiveness or urgency at all about putting someone in a place that they really need help, which is the rotation. Where, by the way, they've needed help for the last two seasons before this season, and they haven't done a whole lot in a meaningful way. So to me, like, I look at it and I go, maybe they'll fall into something. They'll fall into a good contract with Jordan Montgomery and we'll be sitting here in July and going like, wow, that was really smart of them. Way to go, Craig Breslow. You know, way to go, John Henry. But as I sit here today, it it doesn't really represent anything meaningful to me. So the Twitch chat is saying, and this is generally how I feel, though it's normally John Heyman information is how I feel about this. Boris is just using the Red Sox. He's trying to up the offer or up the ante for his other players. It's possible. That's John definitely. Heyman tweeted this out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Speaking of mispronunciations, my mistake, Fourier. Apologies all around. But... Could Boris be using the Red Sox as leverage? 100%. Oh, that, yeah. could, that could easily be going on. Hey, this is a team that has obvious holes. They, You know they could spend if the owner just decides to change his mind and start spending. So we're trying to get another year or another $25 million or whatever out of Team X. Let's scare them. And so this is the scare tactic. Maybe. But then I see Alex Cora's comments today, and you forwarded these, Mego. Uh, asked about a rotation upgrade. Not Montgomery specifically, but a rotation upgrade. He said, quote, we're working hard towards that. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But we've been working hard the whole offseason. It's not for a lack of trying. I'm telling you, a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations. So to me, if Alex Cora knows they're not going to get a player like this, why even fan those flames? This fans the flames a little bit. Why do that if you're Cora? Now, we can game that out and say, well, Cora's pissed and Cora wants out and Cora's just going to put pressure on ownership or whatever. But... That intrigues me a little bit where the Red Sox may not just be leverage and maybe between Theo Epstein, the new Netflix documentary, which I know you and Arkan don't think puts any pressure on the Red Sox, but you don't want to go out and lose 100 games and be a last place team and have a documentary memorializing it. You just don't. So between the Netflix documentary, between Theo, between, I don't know, enough people complaining, Pedroia yelling at them, maybe just maybe John Henry's like, fine, fine. I'm going to sign the pitcher that won't make any difference. We'll still be a last place team, but at least people won't say I didn't spend it all. Like maybe he's willing to finally move on that. I don't know. I don't think it's even goes up that high, to be honest. Like with this particular guy, I think he's the one who's going to have to, you don't think it goes up to John Henry on opening up the first strings. I mean, I don't think that all of those indicators going back to John Henry, I just don't think John Henry cares that much right now. I think this is the plan that he's in and there's not going to be a whole lot that shifts him away from it. Like, those are all small things that could move the needle a little bit, but I just don't think it will. So you think it's leverage? I don't think it will. You just think this is all leverage and fake? I think it fake, could and that's be what, okay. leverage, or it could just be, 
hey, this is the market right now. And so the Reds, both sides are kind of slow playing it to see if anything else comes around. And then all of a sudden it's going to be last call and the lights come on and you are the only two left at the bar. If they sign Jordan Montgomery, Ryan, yes. are they still a last place team? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I don't really think that Jordan Montgomery is going to be the move that, that can propel you out of, you know, battling for last place with either like Tampa or Toronto. And I heard Lou talking about it on the midday show last weekend. I think he brings up a really good point as far as like Montgomery's fit with this team specifically. Historically, he's not like a big strikeout guy. So if I'm looking to sign with a team somewhere and I know that I'm going to be on the market in a year or two years, I don't want to come to the Red Sox because I need to trust that my infield is going to be on their game. Let me tell you, who do we got? <laughs> oh, great. It's Rafael Devers and Tristan Casas who spent three quarters of the scene, a season olaying the and baseball. And maybe Vaughn Grissom. We don't even know if he can play second base. I, it, Trevor Story would be like the only guy I go, okay, I probably feel good about him. But I think if you're looking for a short-term deal, you're not going to do it in Boston because they're just not built for a pitcher like that. So here's what I'll say. They're still a last-place team with Jordan Montgomery. They Absolutely. Might be, they might be a last-place team with Montgomery and Snell. Like, they could sign both and maybe still be a last-place team. They suck. There's nothing on this roster, hardly. So, I don't think it would change their their outlook for the season. But it might, it might be a little indication, and I'm as skeptical as they come. Like, maybe John Henry's just throwing money at, at it to, to, to scare people off or to get people away from this narrative that he won't spend. But maybe it'd be the first indication that Theo or the Netflix documentary or some of the external pressure is changing things a little bit. And I would find that encouraging. So what do you think's going on with the Red Sox and Jordan Montgomery? The Red Sox and free agency. You can jump in. 617-779-7937. That's your phone number to get in touch. With Jones and Mego, you can still vote in our big question of the day. What interests you the most about the Combine? Do you want to hear from Elliot Wolf? Are you excited to see these quarterbacks? Is the Combine overrated? Continue to sound off there. And let's get to Bill Belichick. You guys have been watching some of these Dynasty episodes. Mego's seen more than I have. Are you starting to feel a little bad for Bill Belichick? Yeah, I can confirm that. Are we to the point where you feel bad for Bill? Let's get to it next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers over think your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. From the WEEI Studios, 93.7 
WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. We'll start with your dad, obviously. Um, my only question about him is, I'm not going to pry, but is he okay? Is he good? Uh, yeah, I think he's good. You know, yeah. let the stuff roll off your back and, and move forward. He, he doesn't dwell unless we lost the game and he needs to get on some guys, but... <laughs> You know, eventually you got to turn the page. So, no, I mean, honestly, I wasn't too involved in any of that stuff. He did his thing. I did yeah. my thing. And, and that was kind of that. But um, he's definitely pursuing some other stuff, whether it's TV or hopefully Ooh. a regular on the green light or, you know, whatever I mean, it may be. That is the electric Steve Belichick on the green light podcast with Chris Long, hence the joke there at the end. Uh, he'll do a regular appearance on Greenlight. But he didn't rule out TV for Bill Belichick, which is interesting. What is Bill Belichick going to be up to this offseason? Still something we'd like the uh, the answer to, as what we've been asking for a while. up to? I'd like to know. Uh, furthermore, are you starting to feel bad for Bill if you're four episodes into the dynasty? Are you starting to feel bad? He's up there squirming and uncomfortable. Wow. Everybody else is stabbing him in the back and shoveling dirt on his grave. Are you starting to feel bad? We can get into that in just a moment. But a couple of items here. Uh, if you're wondering what Alex Cora will be up to this season, in terms of uh, media obligations, it turns out he's going to be back on a uh, little old afternoon drive. Uh, Jones hey, and Bego here on WEI. Hot off the presses. You excited? Right. You excited about that, Alex? Yeah, that's that's a bad one, right? <laughs> I mean, I I can't imagine the man's thrilled, but we'll be talking to him here. We're very thrilled about it. I'm excited about that. I can't wait for this. The yeah. two of you, I've only seen you in the same room once. It was during the Jimmy Fun. Yeah, and I waved to Cora. Yeah, not a lot of waving in my direction. He didn't acknowledge you. Nope, I don't no, no, that's true. But now you know. Look, this is like me and Mac. But Chris Sale loved you. Me and Mac, yo, for sure. <laughs> me and Mac, best buds. Like me and Mac, really, we we really work through our stuff. I'm not sure. Have you like played football? I think we're no. gonna get a very similar question oh, from Alex Corbett. The swerve there was that Mac turned on Arcan. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, if you want to be sinister, we could just say that I started uh, uh, giving Arcan all of the. I supplied Arcan with those yips questions to turn Mac against him. No, I come me. on. What is that? That was from Arcan's brain. That was a total Arcan. No, I want idea. no. Trust me, I want no responsibility for those questions. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a. Uh, but how about that? Or- Breaking news on Weei: Alex Cora will be joining the afternoon show. Jones and Mego. Maybe Arcan will be there some of the time. Maybe not. Who knows with that guy? Uh, I believe it's going to be Wednesdays. He's going to be joining us, which we're Beautiful. very excited about. How about that? Breaking news. You thought back from back from February break? We're breaking news left and right. Cannot uh, wait. Welcome back, Skipper. By the way, he hates when you call him that, so don't call him that. He does not. Skipper? Do not call yeah. him Skipper. Good news, I, I, I would never. Although now that I know that, maybe I'll, I'll back pocket <laughs> that. Uh, but good to know. Can you walk in the first really? day? When, Skipper, come Skipper. on, man. When we're at the Fenway studio, can you walk in in like a full Red Sox uniform, <laughs> baseball pants? You know, as opposed to like the Dodgers Only. gear, the Blue Jays gear, whoever the Red Sox are playing that day. Only if it's the new pants. Oh, the see-throughs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard, I heard, I heard there's no problem there. Yeah, 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 Only if it's those. It's cool. I saw a guy strike zone on Twitter. I'm very yeah. disturbed by that, but there's no problem <laughs> there with some, the pants. There were some hot picks on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, I. you can't unsee everything. Neat, I mean, that's what Shohei's genitals look honestly, like. Honestly, cool. what a bunch of babies these players are, uh, but neither here nor there. Okay, so that's Alex Cora. That's that news. Meanwhile, before we get further into Bill, how about this? Dakota Randall, also hot off the presses. Where is he now? No longer Nesson, but he's somewhere. Pro Football Network? 
Something like that. He's somewhere. Uh, he says, while at the Senior Bowl, the Vikings reportedly gauged the Patriots' interest in trading the number three pick in the NFL draft. Pro Football Network. So we were just talking about this. The teams that could move up. Falcons, Giants, Vikings, Raiders. And the Raiders at the Senior Bowl did gauge interest. Here's what he writes. Uh, what I was told, down in Mobile, there was a seed planted with New England by the Vikings. Uh, and I guess, is he, is he, I'm sorry, he's aggregating something that was said, right? Is this Tracy Wolfson? Who says this? Tracy Wolfson. Tracy Wolfson. Yeah, yes. I'm as new to this as you On are. On the Mackie and Judd podcast, I was looking at uh, what was dropped in here. I'm not suggesting talks have advanced. It was one of those, hey, we'll circle back to you at the Combine, which uh, begins tomorrow. Ooh. People are arriving today. This is what I'm talking about. Some sort of seed was planted in terms of, hey, is there any interest from you to move off that number three pick? Uh, Wolfson added, I'm not suggesting it's going to get done. I'm just saying I was led to believe at some point the seed was planted down in Mobile. This is what people are missing about the Combine, okay? If you're wondering why I'm a dork about the Combine, it's not about... It is about hand flies. But it's not <laughs> about your vertical leaps. It's not about your three-cone drills. It's about guys from the Vikings going to prime, having three martinis, spilling their guts about what they're thinking of doing in the draft to somebody who's loosely connected to the Patriots organization and them running it back and then doing some little deals if okay. you want that done. So, look... Uh- who knows if this is real? And by the way, I had that wrong. It's not Tracy Wolfson. I'm uh, I'm reading through this uh, as it's being dropped in. Uh, but it was uh, a Vikings beat reporter. And the name is Darren Wolfson. Uh, Any who cover- relation? Who covers the Vikings? I have no idea. Uh, it's Elliot Wolf's son, actually, is who it is. And so <laughs> this is the, the latest details there. I, I think teams are going to be looking to move up. It doesn't mean the Patriots want to move back. I would be against that. But I know there's a lot of Patriots fans out there that think that's good. Think that's a good idea. Move down, collect assets, get three or four starters, like Tommy Curran said. Uh, you can sound off on that. 617-779-7937, the latest from Dakota Randall, uh, that the Vikings reached out at the Senior Bowl and would revisit with the Patriots about the Vikings moving up, the Patriots moving back at the Combine. Um, are you starting to feel bad for Bill? You've watched, you've watched more episodes than I have. I've seen the first four episodes of the Dynasty. I watched uh, episodes three and four last night when my mother-in-law left town. And I get the sense that some in the fan base uh, certainly feel like he's getting railroaded. I feel like he's getting scapegoated for sure and stabbed in the back. Are you feeling bad for him? First of all, I feel a lot worse for Christian Fourier because the third episode of this went to the first Super Bowl and then just yada yada past the Super Bowls that he was part of. It's like, oh yeah, and then they won two more and then Brady started dating Giselle and all of a sudden everyone hated the Patriots. Yeah, they skipped over that very quick. You know why? Because they spent two and a half episodes on 2001. I know. Two and a half. So I understand. There's more Wiggy in this than four. Yeah, yeah seriously, there was. Yeah. I think Wiggy at one, but didn't they catch Wiggy at the beginning of the third episode saying we're going to Bourbon Street or something like uh, that? I remember Wiggy walking around with the AFC yes, Championship exactly. along and letting all the fans uh, touch the Bourbon trophy. Exactly. Man of the people, Jermaine Wiggins. He certainly was. So, no, that, that's why we got no 03, 04. It's because we spent two and a half freaking <laughs> episodes on 2001. It was really heavy that God way. Dang it. I get it because like from a storytelling perspective, you're trying to establish them as they were this lovable underdog that nobody saw coming as a dynasty. So you want to spend a lot of time in establishing who those main players were and where they were coming from. There's a lot of backstory to those guys. Brady, Kraft, Belichick, you kind of get those in the first three episodes. But then you just zoom past where they actually became a first dynasty. You zoom through it. You get to this point with Bill. where well, he, just Real quick before you say that, they pass over so many great players. Yes. 
Like, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, if you didn't know any better and you weren't a diehard Patriots fan, you'd be like, oh, yeah, they had Rodney Harrison. Like, they barely even show him. And it's kind of funny because... Like, Will Fork strolls through the right. locker room at one point, and if you didn't know any better, you'd be like, oh, yeah, they had Vince Wilk. Like, they just show him. Welker. They cut, they spend no time on I Wes Welker. I love Corey Dillon, that whole no, part of, of the dance. There's, like, two lines, there's two lines where they're like, oh, yeah, we realized we didn't have the talent we needed. So we went and got Randy Moss. Right, that's and all it's they, like, that's it. there were some other moves in there. Yeah. You know, so some other stuff happened. I did, look, uh, you don't need to spend a whole episode on Wes Welker or Vince Wilfork, but, like, some time on those teams or, like, other components of or the 2017. Or Brady it, became exactly. over those next two Super Bowls. Might have been nice. That it would have been, been nice. Anyway, that, that, this my, this kind of a different point. But when you get to episode four, I did think it was interesting how they set it up with the security guy who used to be the state cop. And yeah, the mayor of the Meadowlands, yeah. Exactly. And he's talking about this idea of how much he struggled with going undercover because he had this sense of he was betraying and being dishonest. And that kind of played a, diff- a couple different ways when you look at the Eric Mangini and Bill Belichick relationship. And so from a human perspective, I could understand Bill Belichick... You could make these through lines that he becomes this insular guy who brings his kids on staff eventually, only wants the people closest to him because because he becomes distrustful because one of his protégés goes and double crosses him. But at the end of the day, he was still cheating. And that's kind of where I am with Bill on this whole thing is that. Yeah, I can understand the human perspective of who he eventually became, why he started talking to the media the way that he did, why he became more closed off, why he made these certain personnel decisions. But I'm also looking at it going, but you did cheat. And maybe a lot of other teams cheated too. That's always what's been said. The other teams, a lot of them were doing the same thing. Bill just got caught because of Mangini. That's fine. You still did it. Yeah, I don't I don't even mean specifically about Spygate. And if that's where you want to take it, that's fine. I just mean between Robert Kraft, the afternoon after him and Bill are up there hugging, when Bill says his farewell on a Thursday or whatever it was, and Kraft stabs him in the back two hours later when he does a Q&A that we played you live here on WEEI. And our first reaction was, holy crap, it's both holsters are aimed at Bill. Or even to a lesser degree, when you get Gerard Mayo last week, you know, meeting with the media. Oh yeah, you know uh, we're gonna we're gonna let our coaches have input here, and we're gonna be an ego-free coaching staff. Unlike Bill's giant ego was the inference, and like Mayo stabbing him in the back. Then you get these episodes, and it's like Bill did this, Bill did that. Are you starting to feel bad for Bill? And you're telling me, Mego, the same person who feels bad for everyone, Mac Jones <laughs> among others. Even you don't feel bad for Bill Belichick. I do, but I think the way that you're talking about it, where it's like he's on screen and he's squirming, I'm already coming from a place of I feel bad for how things ended up working out for Bill here and that he doesn't have a job now. But I still, to me, watching him on screen is still more like watching Nathan for you or watching that movie Along Came Polly where the guy has like IBS on a date. Mm -hmm. Where you're just like watching someone have IBS on a date. Wiping his ass with a ferret. (laughs) (laughs) That's what this experience is like. Where it's like it's just, it's painfully awkward. That's how I feel. I don't look at it. And I I think Kraft keeps coming off looking worse and worse. If anything, maybe it's making Bill more of a sympathetic figure. So, I wonder if that was Bill's strategy because my answer is no, I don't feel bad for Bill. And despite the little sob story from Steve Belichick with Chris Long uh, on the Greenlight podcast about, oh, my dad shows more personality. I was happy he could finally do it. and Blah, blah, blah. I don't feel bad for Bill because of the approach he took in this documentary. It's like he was it's like he was doing his Wednesday press conference. 
he answers questions the exact same way. Oh, yeah, I already referenced that. I don't really have anything to add. I mean, he talked like it was a Wednesday press conference. Because he doesn't want to talk about that. So the way Bill carried himself makes me not feel badly for him. But I do wonder if what you just said was a strategy where he goes, look, I'm not going to add anything to this because they're going to make themselves look bad. And I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to make the argument because they're going to make it themselves. I'll ask you, Patriots fans, there's a lot of you loyal to Bill Belichick. Why'd they move on from him? They're going to be worse without him. Are you feeling bad for the barrage? Just the dumping on Bill Belichick that this dynasty docuseries has been through the first four episodes, and I think it's going to continue. 617-779-7937. I'm a man of the people, Mego, so I haven't watched ahead, unlike you. Uh, But through the first four, it's pretty bad, and I expect it to get worse. I'm also starting to wonder four episodes in, what's the target audience? Like, who is this for? I want to get to that with all your phone calls right after trending with Ryan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And Garvin. Take Jones and Mego wherever you go. Just tell your smart speaker, hey, Alexa, play EEI, play Jones. <laughs> this is Jones and Mego. Yeah, I hate Jones, Alexa, on WEEI. It's difficult to explain to people sometimes, but this game is like a narcotic. When you have success, every time you get a little bit, you want a little bit more. The highest highs that you feel each time that you win, you're chasing that forever. There was this group of us (laughs) that, that became addicts together, and we were actually enabling one another. Some of us know it, some of us don't, some don't care. As time goes by, your relationship with the drug, it it changes. After winning, instead of euphoria, it's just a relief. And when you lost, it was, it was dark. You would do anything and everything to stop the fear of losing anything. And I do mean anything. Whoa. That was was Scapioli. Seriously, that's the real Patriot secret. Anything. Uh, So that was uh, episode four of the Dynasty, focused on Spygate. And it's got me wondering exactly who the target audience of this thing is for. Uh, We'll get to that coming up here on Jones and Mego. No Arcand today or all week here on WEEI. A few questions for you on the phones at 617-779-7937. If you're following along with the Dynasty, and even if you're not, even if you just heard from Robert Kraft and you've heard from Gerard Mayo and you've, you've read some of the media narratives that are out there, are you starting to feel badly for Bill Belichick? The way he's being portrayed, dirt's being shoveled on his grave, he's being scapegoated for what's gone down with the Patriots really since Tom Brady left. Some of it's fair. You know, I I don't want Bill back. I don't think Bill should have his job here or anything like that. I think he should have been gone sooner, in fact. But let's not blame him for everything that went wrong and scapegoat the Crafts and scapegoat players like Mac Jones and things like that. Uh, So number one, are you starting to feel badly for Bill Belichick? Uh, You can also jump in on the phone, 617-779-7937. Our big question at two remains up at Jones and Mego. What interests you the most about the Combine? 
What do you want to hear from Elliot Wolf? What do you want to learn about the quarterbacks? Do you think the combine's overrated? We can't learn anything. Or is it Gerard Mayo attending, which is different than Bill a year ago? You can vote at Jones and Mego. Again, you can sound off at 617-779-7937. The implication there from Pioli, who I think has been pretty interesting in this. Like Normally I see Pioli's media hits on NFL Network and wherever else, and I'm like, eh. But he's been pretty good in this, I think, to be honest. Um, he's been more like, hmm. Yeah, a little more like, hmm. Not like, meh. Less meh, more hmm. Mm. I agree. He, he's basically saying, you know, he goes into the whole drug analogy. Oh, the, high, the highs aren't as high. The lows are really low. So edgy. And you will do anything to score your next fix. Anything. And what they're going to do is push the envelope and do stuff that, depending on your view, maybe you need to do, maybe you don't need to do, which is stealing hand signals from the opponent, videotaping hand signals from the opponent, which was Spygate, as we know it. And it gets me into a broader question about the Patriots and this docuseries. Who is this for? Because I feel like I know Patriots fans pretty well. I know how they think. I know how they tick. And my guess is they really enjoyed the first two episodes. I really enjoyed the first two episodes. Those were the Memba Berries. Those were the me- Yes. Let's remember the good times. And, I remember. And some really cool stuff in terms of, I mean, like, oh, so cool. But it was awesome to see the condo that Ty Law fleeced Brady on. Some of the some of the unseen footage was great. That was fun stuff. And it remains great. Like and I, we got a little bit of that with the Super Bowl with the room. I think, yeah, sure. The uh, lawyer Malloy. Lawyer Malloy swapping room. rooms with Bill Belichick. We had heard that story before, but I had never seen the footage. I, I wrote in my notes, I'm like, they had Robert Kraft commuting to work in the middle of Spygate. I'm like, have we ever seen this before? Like, li- little things like that. I like the behind-the-scenes Belichick talking to the locker room. I don't want to say anything about this jet <laughs> thing, okay? Just shut the f*** up. <laughs> this was great. <laughs> right. Some of the so uh, Again, that makes Bill no. look good. Bill after they popcorn, scored, after they're just running over the entire 2007 season. Like, well, no. Some cool no, stuff remember there. what that was? That was T.O. get your popcorn ready, and everybody's eating popcorn, or, he's, or when they beat uh, the Washington football team 52 to nothing. That was a in, tough beat. In your face, Joe Gibbs. That shut him the F up, right? That was and tough so, like, for your girl. Some of that footage was great. I was at that game. And so some of that footage was great. But who is this for, Mega? Like, who's the target audience for this thing? Because my guess is there's a lot of Patriots fans who saw Spygate and said, I'm out. Like, they didn't want to revisit it because they were so disgusted <laughs> by it. And then, oh, my God, it goes into one of the most incredible seasons of football ever where I did find it compelling the way that they edited Jonathan Kraft where he's talking about players throwing up and crying after losing that Super Bowl. And then he's like, wait, wait, wait. I just want to make sure I say this the right way. And it's like, no, you just said it the right way. Unless that's inaccurate. That's the best description By I've ever heard of it. a factor of 10, the most emotional. And let me, sorry, let me just start over. Because, I mean, I'm watching guys throw up and cry on the floor. I, you know, I've never seen that. I've never, ever seen that. But I want to figure out how to describe it. That's fine, Jonathan. We're going to use that take. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's perfect. Um, All I to say. One thing with that, though, is like, that is proof that ownership didn't get every final edit there. Like, Jonathan was looking to re-edit. Right. And, hey, let me start over. I want to say it the right way. That's proof they don't get every single edit right there, right? Right. And and so I liked that. Like, I, I thought that that was an interesting little twist of editing. But overall, who is it for? These episodes, to me, this stretch right here has been the weakest. Um, I thought episode three and four didn't really introduce anything new. 
There wasn't a ton of interesting, never-before-seen footage. The most compelling part to me was honestly the Robin Glazer interview and the strange reenactment reenactment she did driving in her car and swinging a hammer down the hallway. And I'm not sure that that's the best look for ownership right now who's trying to insist that Robin Glazer doesn't have a seat at the table in the way that she's going to be heavily involved in football operations. Well, that's what we were talking about the other week when we read, we read the excerpt from the New York Post. Right. We knew this stuff was coming and it's like... But she's like one of the most interesting parts of this little stretch of episodes because everything else is just, yes, everybody knows about the Boston Herald article and that they had to retract it and that that came back up right before the Super Bowl. I didn't know everybody... Jonathan Kraft threatened to buy the Herald. I didn't know that oh, and, said had... if it was, and said if it was worth buying. So I will say when I started at the Herald, that was still, I mean, this was many years later and it was something that still hung over the paper and sports coverage and that people talked about how careful you had to be with that relationship. But all that to say, it just, it wasn't the best stretch for me. So I, I'm sitting here with you going, do, do Patriots fans want to revisit this? This isn't something like what's coming down the pipeline, which is the Aaron Hernandez episode is so captivating. It's so interesting and it's tough to watch, but it feels like, it's rewarding in the way that it's a compelling story. This is something that was dissected to death, and you don't really get anything new out of it. No, I mean, again, we'll play you some stuff coming up. The Glazer stuff, Ernie Adams, and we referenced uh, Robin Glazer first, so let's get to that first. But I am wondering who it's for. Like, are they trying to reel in non-Patriots fans with this? Because I don't think they're going to watch it. We talked about this before. The last dance we all watched was the middle of covid the the Bulls dynasty had not been well covered, so we all watched that. Are you going to reel in Giants fans and Eagles? Like, I don't think you're going to... A Bears fan? I don't know that you're going to reel those people in. So who is it for? It feels like a craft legacy piece for sure. And I'm with you. Stuff like this from Robin Glazer does not help. And it was going to be a story. And so the NFL flew security personnel in again, and... It was decided that we would destroy the tapes on premises. She's now walking down the hall with a hammer reenacting. Walking down the hallway and asking someone for a hammer. And they took the hammer to the tapes. And I'm on my hands and knees in a dress and high heels, picking up the tapes and throwing them away. I remember thinking to myself, all the news cycles, all the commentary, this is done. It's over. We've been fined. This is over. That is not at all what happened. No, it's not. That is not what happened whatsoever. It turned into a years-long and now, you know, decade-plus-long story about the Patriots. And I don't know. I mean, we, we can get into Spygate if you want. I want to play you Ernie Adams coming up. But, like, if it is a craft legacy piece and... It's what I think a lot of people are now starting to feel that it is. You know, it's Kraft Dynasty LLC putting this together. This is Robert's push to get into the Hall of Fame, right? And so I call Bill a real schmuck and all these things we've heard before. We've heard Robert say that before, mm-hmm. but just let's get it all in one place. So if you want to hold Spygate against me, don't hold that against me when it comes to my Hall of Fame candidacy. That was Bill. And I'm sure we'll see the same thing in Deflategate. You want to hold that against me? Don't hold that against me. That was Brady. And maybe that was even Bill's scheme and et cetera. I I, I tried to stand up for Bill at the time, but I wasn't part of it. 
And so we'll see the Hernandez episode. I know you've seen that. I've not seen that yet. You told me Robert Kraft does not come out of that looking great. I don't think anyone comes out of it looking very good. So maybe maybe he's attempting to... Bill does to, not come out of it looking good. Maybe he's attempting to craft a certain narrative about himself. No pun intended. And it's a legacy piece to get into the Hall of Fame, and it doesn't do what he thinks it's doing. But that that's really what I think this is for. I don't think you're going to attract Giants fans because you put in a Spygate episode. And I think you're going to turn off Patriots fans by putting that in. And so I now wonder, like, how many Patriots fans are going to stick with it? And you tell me, 617-779-7937. Are you liking it? Now that we're past 2001 and we're into Spygate and losing to the Giants, can you stomach it? Can you watch it? Are you going to continue to watch it? Because next up is going to be Aaron Hernandez and Deflategate. Like, is that the kind of thing Patriots fans are interested in? Do you want to see the end of days with Brady and Bill and Kraft? I'm curious to hear from you because... My sense is, Mego, knowing Patriots fans and how sensitive they can be, a lot of them got to the Spygate episode and said, I'm out. I'm not watching this anymore. I'm done with it. Or when they realized it wasn't just going to be counting Super Bowls. That too. Going Super Bowl to Super Bowl. Here's the other thing I'm thinking about with the way that a lot of these docuseries work over the last several years. And this might be a gross way of saying this, but whatever. I, I think about Netflix. I think about Apple. I think about The Last Dance maybe it's just that we aren't in the most salacious parts because that's what sells for these things. When you're looking at a broader public, when you're not just looking at Patriots fans, you're not just looking at people in the Boston and greater Boston, New England market, you got to have something salacious to bring people there. And people will all go. I remember those headlines. I remember the crazy deflategate thing. I kind of remember the Aaron Hernandez things. I'm talking about somebody who lives in Kansas yeah, or yeah, California right, right, or something right. like that. I live in because, Topeka. Right. What do I remember about the Patriots I kind of remember right. there was a guy who went to jail from the Patriots, but I don't remember what it was. And so maybe that's what they're going for. But this middle section feels very lost to me where it's like, you're right. You're turning off Patriots fans. All of a sudden, you have Michael Strahan in there laughing his head off about how the Patriots right? are the devil and they're defeating the devil. And the other side's calling everybody else the devil. It's like, why is everyone the devil in this? You know, like that went on for so long in right. episode four. And so, like, to me, journalistically, I think they're doing the right thing. You should. To, you can't do a pay. We asked Jeff Benedict about this when he was in the studio the other week. He's the the author of the book. He's an executive producer on the docuseries. And we asked him, like, journalistically, you have to you have to cover that stuff. You have to cover Hernandez, and you have to cover Spygate and Deflategate. You have to. The end of days with Brady and Bill. But I just wonder if Patriots fans want to watch it. And if Patriots fans aren't watching it, I wonder how valuable it is for us as a show and us talking about it in the media. So I'm just curious. I've liked it. I've enjoyed it. But I watched it and had the distinct feeling that, like, Patriots fans may be shutting that thing off the second they got to 17-0, and and I'm already seeing it. Dubs, 98-5. I haven't watched it yet because I don't know if I want to relive the 18-0 and crap again. You know, you're seeing stuff like that. I, I have a feeling Patriots fans feel that way, but Ryan, you're shaking your head. I mean, so you're just going to bury your head in, yes. in the sand and not acknowledge yes. how tumultuous and difficult it was for this organization oh, to days. exist as it did? Look, at the whole undefeated season going into the 07 Super Bowl against the Giants... I, excruciating it's brutal but i think you can also get some appreciation of how things went going forward that there was this purity to the first couple 
of of Super Bowl trophies, and then you have this drought, and then they go on and rattle off three more under really difficult circumstances. Yeah, you got to watch you, the David Tyree catch, and you got to be. You it's gotta, a part you, of it. Is you a be part of a your history, Patriots. I know, fans. but Patriots. It's fans, all part of it. Patriots fans have amnesia. Like they forget how much of a cheating organization. Listen to Ernie Adams. If you want, if you want the biggest smoking gun that this was significant, and that there's more to it than we know about. Robin Glazer smashing tapes for God's sakes. Listen to Ernie it's, Adams. You're going to hear like Willie McGinnis and Damian Woody. Like all these people who are lifelong Patriots still don't really understand who or what okay. Ernie Adams so is. So just, just no, we read this quote last week because, you know, the way the embargo on, on some of this these these episodes work is usually a week before the two come out, you can start releasing some of the info. So we read these quotes. I knew they were coming. And I still felt like this was incredibly damning by Ernie Adams. Ernie Adams, I don't even know how to describe him. We used to see this guy walking around. He had these glasses, this mustache. Always talking to Belichick in private. They were always like kind of whispering. Ernie Adams being at the center of Spygate made perfect sense to me. He's a football savant. Ernie Adams is a genius. There's not one detail that Ernie Adams would not know about. Just so you know, on this whole video thing, the video thing? The Jets game in 2007. Oh, okay. called Spike. I'm not, not going to reopen it. Well, we have to talk it a little bit. Yeah, right. But just, just you know, I mean, this is, you're not going to, I'm not, like, could I tell you stories? Yes. Am I going to, no, I got some, I, I, this is, I, it's going to the grave with me a little bit. Okay. Well, let's just talk about it. We'll see where we go. Can it's, something go to the grave with you a little bit? <laughs> yeah, sure. So that, that voice is Matt Hamachek. I'm guessing that's the oh, director. Yes, yeah. And so Ernie Adams says he's going to take it to the grave a little bit. My guess as to how that all went down, I have no idea. The second Ernie Adams sat down, the second he sat down and started doing interviews, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm not going to talk about this. You got to ask me about whatever you want. I'm not talking about this. I'm taking it to the grave with me a little bit. That's my guess as to how that went down. And so, like, he went in being like, I I'm not going to talk about this. They didn't ask him. I'm not. They Matt Hamachek, his voice. The video? Could I tell you stories? Yes. Am I going to? No. I got some. I, I, this is. I, it's going to the grave with me a little bit. He, he's okay. Like, well, let's just talk about it. We'll see where we go. The taping thing. He's like, the taping thing? Yeah. Spygate, Spygate, Ernie. Spygate. And so just don't tell me they weren't doing anything. And I think that's hard for Patriots fans to deal with. But text line 37937. Jones, you have no idea what you're talking about. Us diehard Patriots fans are eating this up. So you tell me. Am I right or am I wrong? Yes, Megan. But I don't even think it's just about for Patriots fans. This is on Apple TV Plus. Mm -hmm. Is there enough out there no. if they're turning off Patriots fans with some of the stuff that they're talking about because they don't want to relive that? Is there enough out there for the general public to go, ooh, that's interesting you, enough for me to watch? Maybe I'm totally off on this. Do you get the sense the general public is watching it? Not really, but I don't interact with the general public outside. I think of Patriots Boston fans are watching it. I don't, I don't I don't think generic Bears fan like Brian back there are watching it. Like I don't think generic Giants fan or Seahawks fan. I don't. I don't think they're watching it. I can be way off base on that. I don't think they are. I think the best way to put it is it will be watched. It will be consumed. But as far as like, okay, it's Thursday night. It's Friday I have to morning, watch it. and I have to watch this right now. I don't think you're getting that outside of the region. But going forward, I've had enough people, you know, who are not Patriots fans, tell me like, oh yeah, when this thing is like in its entirety, I'll binge watch, you know, the ten episodes. But no, as far as like living and dying on every episode, like we are, no, I don't think we're. You're going to get that right now. All right, so who's it for and who's watching it? And are you turned off by the Spygate stuff? Can you stomach it? Can you deal with Ernie Adams saying he's going to go to the grave with it? Which pretty much tells you what they were up to and I how know bad it was. This is going to be 60 minutes of hard football. No. 
Every team was doing it. Every team was doing it just like us, but I'm taking it to the grave. 617-779-7937. That's how you get in touch with Jones and Mego. No Arcan today here on WEEI. We'll continue with your Patriots thoughts. And are the Bruins finally ready to take my advice at the trade deadline? We'll get to it next. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI. Get Boston Sports Original on the go wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. You're listening to Jones and Mego on WEEI. The number of uh, overtimes taking a toll here, you think? Five in a row. Um, yeah, I mean, we haven't been good enough. Rolick tees it up and scores! The Bruins fail a hold a lead. I have to look at, you know, uh, the player usage and who's who's on the ice. Like, we know it already, but um, I'm probably going to the well too often with the same players. Harder to accept tonight the way this ends or the fact that you lost a two-goal lead again? The two-goal lead bothers me more than the OT, to be honest, you know. Um, it's a and game you should close out. It's a game you should close out. Yeah, I don't like the way we sat back. Um, and we had some costly mistakes that, that, are, that are mental awareness breakdowns. The Bruins blow a two-goal third-period lead and are defeated in overtime for the second straight game. This Bruins team continues to have the same issues, Mego. Over and over and over again. They can't protect leads. They're just a group of misfits stuck in detention on a Saturday. It's precisely what it is. It's uh, the Bruins club is what they are. And so they have a 2-0 lead third period against the Canucks. They blow that lead. They lose in overtime. Like, they're still picking up points. They continue to get points against Vancouver and Calgary. They embarrass Vancouver when they were in Boston. You know, they beat the Oilers uh, last week. Seemed like they were riding the ship, the Stars. So it's not like they're getting run off the ice by some of the better teams in the league or, uh, you know, not competing on this West Coast trip. But protecting leads has been an issue for them. And at some point, you do wonder the snowball effect of it. You continue to do it. You continue to look over your shoulder. You continue to not really feel that... You can protect these leads, and you're expecting the worst. And so you're up 2 nothing. You give up a goal, and instead of saying, hey, we're going to batten down the hatches here, it's, oh, crap, and the floodgates open up. That feels like what's going on with the Bruins. I felt it was interesting that Jim Montgomery said there in that clip that, well, I feel like I'm relying on the same guys over and over and over again. And I don't know if that's a shot at Sweeney and like, He's hey, saying, we need- I need some new guys. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if that's what that is, or if he really was taking uh, a look at how he's been handling that situation, or maybe it's a shot at some of the guys on the roster. But that caught my ear when he said it for sure. Yeah, I think that that whichever way that you think that he meant it, either way, it seems direct. Like it's either direct to himself and how he's managing the lines and who he's looking at and maybe who he's not giving chances to that he needs to, or it's a direct shot at, hey, trade deadline's coming up in just a a little over a week, and we need serious reinforcements here because we're ending up with six out of the last seven going into some kind of overtime because I am going to the same guys and I'm getting the same results, which is when we win, we're barely squeaking by, and a lot of times we're giving up these leads. So how can the Bruins upgrade? We've talked about this a lot, and it continues to remain the biggest question for me with the Bruins. I think they're good. And I think they're worth investing in. 
But if you're going to invest, how do you do it? Elliot Friedman on his 32 Thoughts podcast uh, late last week or over the weekend. I forget where this first aired. Uh, but he seems to think the Bruins could actually, finally, really look at what I think they need to do, which is trade all, Mark. Teams out there do believe that the Bruins are trying to upgrade their roster. And all you have to do is look at what they are capable of and say, it's not coming out of the draft. Do they really want to deal their top prospects, some of whom have already played in the NHL? I don't think so. So if they want to make changes, it probably has to come off their roster. And that's why I think people are looking at Allmark. Now, I don't think it's impossible. He has some control. But the whole thing is, if the Bruins are trying to win the Stanley Cup, then why would you subtract from one of your greatest strengths? Okay, so put that to the side. You're one of your greatest strengths. You can only play one goalie. You can't play two goalies at once. Oh. So, right, that shouldn't be earth-shattering. Why would you do it? You can't play two goalies. You, just, you can't do it. And so if you're worried about one of them getting hurt or running one of them into the ground and you want both available just to cover yourself, fine. But that's why they do it. You're dealing from a position of strength to shore up a position of weakness. I hope the Bruins actually do this. No, I don't think so. Like, I, I, I hope they move him. And trust me, the no movement clause gets so overrated. If you tell Linus Allmark, we're going to play Jeremy Swayman every night, you're not going to play in the postseason. Or you can go be Edmonton's goalie every night and you can start in the postseason. He's going to waive his no movement clause. You know, maybe you got to give him some kind of assurance or they have to give him some kind of assurance. He's going to waive it. If you say you're going to sit the bench and you're not going to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs, he will waive his no movement clause. So I think that's overrated. I absolutely think the Bruins should do this. I thought they should have sold high last year. I think they could have gotten more last year. But whatever. You can't you can't bring in a player without moving somebody off the roster. I think he's the perfect player to move. And I, I'm somewhat encouraged in league circles. It sounds like it's being kicked around. Yeah, I wonder how much they're hedging it because of their arbitration situation with Swayman and knowing that there's going to be a contract then that they have to pay out there and it's a move for right now and then you're going all in on one player. But at the end of the day, like you said, we didn't you learn this in the postseason last year? you got to choose one of these guys. You can't just go, we have the greatest goalie tandem in the history of the NHL, and that's our the identity of our team. Like, at some point, one guy, I truly believe, has to be the starting goalie, and then there's a backup. And I think that Swayman has asserted himself for the most part this season to be the starting goalie, and Linus is the backup. And if you trade your backup and you can get really good value at this point for him back... And then you bring in, like, you elevate somebody else as a backup. It's not, I don't understand why it has to be this extremely uh, precious situation with the Bruins where both the goalies are just untouchable. So the only thing I would say is Swayman has not played as well lately. Like, you say he established himself. Right, I'm just but his ask you numbers that. overall They're better. They're better. better than Allmark. And, and the whole team has been in this slide since the All-Star break. Thank you. And I just, I just really don't trust Allmark in the postseason. I've seen it. And it's not like Swayman's taking you to go win a cup or anything like that, but I've seen enough out of Allmark where he falls apart and melts in the postseason. And I'm not interested in seeing it again. So what do you guys think? Bruins, trade deadline, can't protect the lead. Should they move Allmark? 617-779-7937. Uh, Mike's in the car, wants to discuss the dynasty. Go ahead, Mike. Hi. Um, yeah, so I want to stop by saying I've been a Patriots fan for 45 years, like hardcore Patriots fan, and yeah. I haven't watched an episode yet because – I, when I found out they don't cover the second and third Super Bowl, 
it completely turned me off. That is the dynasty right there. Was that beginning of it? And I believe the reason why they did it is this is just kind of a smear campaign against Belichick. Is what it seems to me. Yeah. So I think it's it is a bit of a smear campaign against Bill. Although some of the 2001 stuff they give him his due for sure. But it feels like as we move along, it's more trashing Bill. Now there was a nice moment when we found out that he gave lawyer Malloy his hotel room and then every day of practice was like hey how's that room it's is true. everything okay for I, you now I, I feel like that story we, we knew that story but it was interesting to see some of the footage that was we one of seen. the rare moments when bill kind of played along in his interview oh yeah oh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no for sure the With randy bill, moss uh, bill was a normal human well. yeah, yeah yeah that's true too he played he played up that if there, if there i just wish there was an opportunity for bill belichick to be able to be a part of this documentary and actually give his take on what transpired oh no that's right he he doesn't he won't he doesn't feel for whatever reason so, patriots fans are worthy of an answer for why things happen the way they happen i think mego hit on maybe why earlier he just knows that look if i just kind of don't participate in this i'll be looked at as you know stiff and unwilling to participate but i'm not going to say the wrong thing and if robert Kraft is on camera for 10 hours 12 hours what he's going to He's going to make himself look bad, He's and I don't have to do it. it. And furthermore, you know Bill's probably planning some kind of legacy feature with NFL films on his own. Yeah, that's right. So I'm not going to drive everybody to Robert Kraft's vehicle. Come watch mine in a year or two when I'm going to tell my side of the story and my version of the dynasty. I'm sure is part of what's going on there as well. The 0304 thing is completely valid. Like, that that was rushed. Completely rushed. And they as I said earlier... Maybe 90 seconds? They... <laughs> John Bon Jovi, Mego, you were right about this. Why does John, John Bon Jovi need to be in this? Bon Jovi got more time talking about the Patriots. It was in Belichick's rider. Than 03 and 04. Must, must appear for 30 It was seconds. crazy. So, like, there's so many good players they glazed over and good wins. Like, I, I think I heard Andy Hart talking about this. Like, oh, you want to see the, the intentional safety in Denver in 2003? It's not a thing. It's not in there. So, like, if you want to relive some of those moments, the member berries, if you want to relive those or not, that that's completely valid. Okay, that's but not what this may, is about. maybe to counter that, like, did we need to spend three episodes basically on like Drew Bledsoe no, and how I the, agree. the inception? Like, no, that's the thing. Like, you're going, you're one, getting some stuff, but you're not. You, it's ten episodes. You're not going to get everything. I liked Man in the Arena. Man in the Arena did do this, and Man in the Arena pretty much spent an episode on all ten of the Super Bowls Brady went to, the wins, the losses, and they could have spaced out 2001 more and put more of a focus on 0304. They chose not to, and I do think that was a mistake. And I think Patriots fans, if you're watching, will be turned off by that. 617-779-7937. I want to see Ricky Prohl sit down and just be like, look, I don't know. I don't understand why we can't beat this team whenever I'm in the Super Bowl. It's true. Ricky uh, he was making big plays late in those Super Bowls, though. Let me tell you. Carolina, the Rams, massive plays. Just couldn't get over the hump. Uh, We'll get back to our big question of the day as well. Uh, Combine week in Indianapolis. What interests you the most? Mego's excited. Dork party. What interests you the most about the Combine? It's our big question of the day. We'll get to that next. You're listening to Jones and Mega on WEEI. From the WEEI studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. He is far from perfect, Trenny. He's thin, number one, and he runs a lot. And so there's some question there as to whether or not he'd be able to stay healthy because not only does he run a lot, but he is not afraid of contact. And I think he needs to smarten up, honestly, at the next level to make sure he stays healthy. I would also say he has some in terms of processing, some hesitation behind the line. There's some qu- questions about how, does, how quickly 
does he see it, but he does take care of the football, which is important to me. And the way one evaluator put it, Trini, is this. If he makes a leap similar to the one that he made from 2022 to 2023, at any point in his pro career, you could be talking about one of the best quarterbacks in football. And that, to me, is what's worthy of a top three selection. Phil Perry on NBC Sports Boston over the weekend. That's the uh, really the first time I've heard it since my headphones have been in and out all day. I missed that off the top of the show. Are we good now? Ish. But so I want to react to what he said there. If Jaden Daniels makes another leap similar to what he made in college, you're talking about one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And people want to pass on that draft pick? People want to trade back? Jim Nagy to Burt Breer. It's a once-in-a-decade quarterback draft. Now, look, I don't want to overstate this. Every year, people fall in love with these prospects, and they fall in love with these quarterbacks, and they tend to overrate the draft class. Did you feel that way with last year's class? Because I did not. I don't know. I, a I mean, lot I feel of it like, was Bryce Young is such a small guy. Like, he's yeah, and then they, not and then they went he's one and the two. prototypical Alabama guy that you, but right. you don't really want him. And then he went one. And then people didn't really like C.J. Stroud, and he went two. And it's like, I feel like that tends to be how it goes. And then it was a steep drop-off. I mean, I know you love your guy, Anthony Richardson, but I, didn't, I do. we didn't talk about that class. Nobody talked about that quarterback class the way we're talking about this I, one. I do agree with that, but I wonder how much of it was... I mean, I was the only person, I think, in New England who wanted them to take a quarterback in the first round last year. That's and very so, true. like, we're paying more attention to the quarterbacks this year than, than maybe we have any year outside of the MAC draft. So that's what you risk passing on if you trade back. And there's some talk that the Patriots could trade back. The Raiders at 13, the Vikings at 11, maybe the Giants or the Falcons at 6 and 8, I think, off the top of my head. So we'll get into that coming up. But it is Combine Week in Indianapolis. Woohoo! Let's party. I still can't fully. T- are you actually excited or is I are you am, like trolling me? I am, but I, I need to explain this because I did a poor job from the top. Combine week is not about your 40 time. It's not about what you're benching. It's not about a even. About it's, a, it's only about your hand size. And it's about the gossip that comes out of the steakhouses in Indianapolis where you get weirdo people from all over all walks of life in the NFL and media getting together and swapping stories and swapping theories. Swapping other Swapping things. who knows yeah, what else. Seriously. Okay. Spit. Hey, as long as you're consenting adults, there's no judgment here. Okay. Do what you need to do as long as everything's good. Um, that's what I'm excited about. Not the swapping other stuff. Okay. I'm excited about the combine. I like the draft. I always like the draft. And when the Patriots are, are selecting high as they have been in recent years, no, you know what this is Jones, What this is Patriots fans who are still in the dynasty era of thinking. As we talk about the dynasty theory and they're like, no, we're too good to pay attention to the combine. Okay. We're too well, good not... to spend money in free agency. Well, I haven't, I haven't it's read... an old school way of thinking. I haven't read the question yet, but, but yeah, uh, what interests you the most about the combine? And I, I think you're talking about some of the voting, but the leading vote is that people are interested in the quarterbacks. Mego 35% say it's the quarterback. Stupid. Uh, 31% are saying what you're saying. Ryan, you feel this way? The combine doesn't matter? It's overrated? It's dumb? No, I, I don't think that there's going to be any grand revelation coming out of Indianapolis this week that is going to propel like Caleb Williams out of the top spot or like Michael Penix or J.J. McCarthy up to a top three spot. I don't think any of that's going to happen. Yeah, but if you, it is, it's, it's totally foolish. You could see like 
uh, some real differentiators between a J.J. McCarthy and a Bo Nix. And if you're in a position where you're going to go to someone like the Raiders, who we'll get to, and you're trading out of three down to 13 to stockpile some picks, maybe that's something that matters to you. Yeah. And look, I don't I don't know the gap between the number three quarterback and who I now feel is the number four quarterback. I don't agree with this, but I think the consensus is McCarthy is number four. I'm not sure if May or Daniels are three. Daniels picked up a lot of steam. But I don't think the gap between three and four is all that big. And so, look, I think there's things you can find out about the Combine. Ryan thinks it's overrated. Mego, you want to hear from Elliot Wolf? I do. So we're going to hear from Elliot Wolf. I believe he's slated for 11 a.m. tomorrow. And this is a rarity. So we talk about one of these options here is about Gerard Mayo and his coaching staff is going to the Combine. It's Gerard Mayo's first rodeo as a head coach, so that's interesting to me. But we don't usually get a GM-type interview. And so... Wolf is supposed to get up there in front of the media and answer questions. Is he going to answer questions, divulging all the secrets of what they're going to do on draft night? Probably not. Like, I don't think that they're going to sit here and go, yeah, we're really strong on Drake May, or we're definitely going quarterback at three. But I do think he could show his hand on some different things, maybe even unintentionally, because he doesn't get up in front of the press in a press conference setting at all. He doesn't do that. He's not Bill where he's up there and he's used to, like, being in the trenches with the media, all that I've ever seen him do, really, is these small packaged videos that are go on Patriots.com. So, yeah, I'm intrigued by that. Okay, well, look, I'm intrigued to hear from him because you're right, we haven't heard from him. And so is he going to be a disaster What if up he gets there? up there and he starts talking about the Packer way, that it's going to take four years of stockpiling picks? Okay, he might. And, and to Ryan's point, we never heard from Matt Groh either, and that guy was not ready for primetime. That guy was a disaster. And so I, I'm intrigued in like that kind of, you know, car crash interest in all of it. Like how it's, ba- it's tough. It was tough for Brooks. Like out is there. Wolf going to pull this? <laughs> is Wolf going to make like weird, uh, you know, references to movies that are 30 years old? If you want fast guys? Better go get fast guys. You know, are we getting Shawshank <laughs> references out of him? Like, what are we getting? And so I'm intrigued by that. This man has so much power right now. Yeah, and trust me. Well. And trust me, I'm going to listen to it, and we're going to react to all of it. But, like, I'm not looking forward to it more than the quarterbacks. But I, I like the combine, and I think there's something telling. And I, I am not sure how much he actually has power. I, I, I think ownership has a lot of power and has filled He's that like vacuum. He's, like, the only guy who knows anybody outside of Foxborough. Okay. But who's who's gained more power since Bill left, ownership or Wolf? Probably ownership. I think ownership, too. And so... Elliot Wolf has a lot of say. Who in is like, the second most power? Don't say pro- Robin Glazer. Probably. Well, no. I mean, uh, I count her as part of ownership, basically okay. at this point, a proxy for She's ownership. She's got a stake in the team now. No, who has more? Who has more power? Wolf or Glazer? Glazer. I've said that to you before. I don't. I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. Well, like I, I don't think she's going to be signing like you know the backup guard, but at pick three, she might have some say. She's been sitting in on interviews along with Elliot Wolf. That tells you they have similar power to me. So, what interests you the most? You can vote. At Jones and Mego, it's our big question of the day. Is it the quarterbacks? Is it hearing from Wolf? Is it the Combine's overrated? Who cares? Yeah, are you annoyed that you had to pay attention to anything from the Combine? Or is it Gerard Mayo and his attendance, which is different than Bill a year ago? Just for instance, some things that Elliot Wolf could reveal. Andy Hart wrote about this today. Up now, Odyssey app. It's worth a click. Uh, will he have final say? Is he going to reveal that? Like, I, I, I'm not holding my breath he's going to reveal a lot. But I would love answers to all of these. Elliot Wolf, do you have final say over the roster? I'd love that answer. I just don't expect it. Will he get into his relationship with Gerard Mayo and Matt Groh on how they work together professionally? Maybe, but I think it'll be corporate speak and 
you know, nonsense. A lot of collaboration talk, as we discussed earlier. The over-under on collaboration, I'm going to set it five and a half. And I think we smashed the over. I I don't know how long he's talking for, but I'll take the over. Hammer it. The number three pick. Is he telling us who they're drafting at three? No. No. The quarterback class he might get into. That was Andy's fifth point. The 2024 quarterback class. Maybe. Will they use the franchise tag? We might get a good clue on that, too. That was a sixth point. How they approach free agency. Will they burn cash? And his general philosophies. Like, maybe we'll get into some of that stuff. And certainly we'll get hints about it. And again, we'll react to it and break down the audio. But I'm less interested in all that stuff than I am with the quarterbacks. How are they interviewing? How are they throwing for the ones that are throwing? Caleb Williams won't. Jaden Daniels won't. I still haven't seen a definitive answer on Drake May unless I've missed it. In the last hour, the absence of news on Drake May tells me he's throwing. It's my favorite quarterback in the draft. Of course I want to pay attention to how he throws and how these guys measure in and how they interview. To me, this should be the final step in setting your draft board. You've seen these guys on tape. You've gotten a good idea of how they play on tape. Here's your chance to see them up close, talk to them, You know, maybe line up top 30 visits closer to the draft. This should be where you pretty much finalize your draft board, at least the top of the draft, and you know what you're doing at pick three. This should be it, and that's what I'm paying the most attention to. I agree with that. I just am hoping that they go into it realizing, wow, Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, these are not the guys who are going to be up there with the Jaden Daniels and with the Drake Mays, and so we need to stick with the number three pick here. Like that that's what I'm hoping that they get out of it because I really do think when people say don't you have enough don't you have enough video on any of these guys haven't you crunched enough tape don't you know who these guys are well if you're seriously thinking about trading back with one of these other teams for a long-term rebuild then I would hope that you look well, extra hard at those other quarterbacks and I would ask those people too you you just want them watching on tape you don't want them sizing these guys up, talking to these players, well, talking I'm to people around that the league fall about in these love players with someone in an interview because that's what used to happen with Bill. Okay. That's fine, and that's so fair. So-and-so interviews so well. So-and-so, remember when we talked to Dan Orlowski? Yeah. And he told us that he fell in love with Mac because of all these intangibles right. he heard about okay, during fine. Combine? They shouldn't, so they shouldn't overrate that stuff. Like, if they overrate it, that's their own fault. But it should be it should be part of the, the puzzle, no? I don't know. Sometimes I think you can overthink it. So don't interview them. Don't interview them. No, anybody? do interview them. Do interview them, of course, because it's also if somebody well, why? shows up totally If you just totally think they're going to overrate them, why, why even bother? Okay, like if you have an interview with Caleb Williams and 30 people come into the room with him in suits to like represent him around the interview. And he starts that's, crying that's, in mommy's That's probably bosom. a no-go for me. Okay, see, that, I, I think you can find something out. And I think all these measurements, I think they're important. I, like I honestly you do. think the hand measurement matters? I think hand measurement matters, Yes. Can you hold on to the football in January in the snow? If you have a bigger hand, it's more likely you can. Yes, I think that stuff matters. And so I'm not saying it's more How important about foot than size? I'm not saying it's more important than their tape. Yeah, I'll take that too. Give me all the give me every measurement you can. So I'm not saying that it's more important than their tape and their production and how they play and probably even the interview. But I want all this stuff. I want to find out all this stuff. Yes, I think, I think it matters. Just, I am a little worried that it starts to get them talking themselves into somebody that they previously wouldn't have talked into. Okay, so vote. Our big question of the day. Up now, at Jones and Mego. Uh, what are you most interested in at the Combine from a Patriots perspective? Uh, what's the most compelling to you? You can vote there. You can dial us up. 617-779-7937. We'll get back into what we're hearing about the number three pick. And when I say we're hearing, reading the various reports. Could they trade back? Could they move up? Who are they targeting at pick number three? We'll get to all that right after trending with Ryan Garvin.
watch the show anytime via our live stream on Twitch. Just go to twitch.tv slash bostonweei and check out weei on YouTube for our video on demand content updated daily. Now, more of Jones and Mego on weei. Based off right now, I'm of the view that the first three quarterbacks on the draft are capable enough that no matter what happens to pick one yeah. and pick two, the Patriots bereft of a quarterback option right now on the roster and needing to plug so many gaps elsewhere that even if you just added like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Roma Dunes and Bleak Neighbors, like they're still so far away that the advantage you're gathering uh, from having one of those players is sort of neutralized that I would just take whoever quarterback three is. That was Field Yates last week on what the Patriots should do at pick number three. I'm sorry to jump in there. Have I been hearing a lot from the MHJ people recently? There was a, I think that the. Marvin Harrison Jr. people. That everybody may have uh, cooled on that a little bit. You think? Yeah. Oh, I think there's still a lot of people who are like, he's can't miss, take him at three. We don't, when we're talking about quarterbacks, I don't hear from them. Well, who are you talking about? Uh, like calling us? Yeah, we, or people, we had like, callers a couple weeks ago. It would be callers saying, oh, you have to take Marvin Harrison Jr. You have Ar- to. Arkham still feels that way. Not that Ar- he's Cam's here today here. or anytime soon, but he still feels that way. Who knows what he's doing? So, I, look, I'd way rather take Jaden Daniels, who I view as the third quarterback, or whoever you view as the third quarterback. I'd way rather take them than take someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't, Marvin think, there's a, I don't think there's a big gap. Thank you. Yeah, where's that guy at? I don't think there's a big gap between Marvin Harrison Jr. and some of the other receivers. I I happen to really like Malik Neighbors. Okay, he is my type of receiver, who is not. And I don't want to say Marvin Harrison is just a contested catch guy, but I, I want somebody who can move around the formation and I can pick matchups. And I want somebody who is electric after the catch, can make people miss, run away from people. These are skill sets that Malik Neighbors has, and you're not going to get Malik Neighbors, Patriots fans. I wouldn't take him at three either. But just to pour water on this idea that, like, he's the next Calvin Johnson automatically or the next Andre Johnson automatically. And even if he is, let's take it a step farther. How does that change anything? If you don't have a guy who can get him the ball, it doesn't change anything. So I want the quarterback. And there's enough reporting out there from people like Field Yates, who I guess did a back and forth with Mel Kuyper today, um, where they went pick for pick, and he mocked Jaden Daniels to the Patriots at three. There is Daniel Jeremiah saying, I would not pass on a quarterback at three. He said that last week when he was talking to various uh, media markets doing conference call leading up to the combine. And he's just released uh, his top 50 players 2.0. I haven't read through it yet, but it was probably a precursor to that. He said, I wouldn't pass on a quarterback at three. And some of the logic I don't fully agree with. I've been guilty of saying it before, but the more I say it and the more I hear it, the more I start to despise it. Uh You'll never be up here again at number three, so you might as well take him now. You might be. I'm, I'm done saying that. You could be back there, but you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be back at three again. You shouldn't be this high again anytime soon. And so Daniel Jeremiah said it. Jim Nagy, who runs the Senior Bowl, said to Burt Breer in his uh, his notes at Sports Illustrated that it's a once-in-a-decade quarterback class. So, look, we tend to overrate these quarterbacks, and we tend to talk these quarterbacks up year after year after year, and we fall in love with these QBs. And so, yes, that's a mistake that people make, but there's also a reason people fall in love with them. It's what you need. It's the quick fix. It's the silver bullet. And so I happen to think this is a good quarterback class. But if you ask me most years, I probably like the quarterbacks that are scheduled to go at one and two because I like the idea of getting myself a franchise quarterback. 
but I would prioritize these, and I've been saying this now for months. I would prioritize them May, Williams, Jaden Daniels, and those are the guys I'm trying to get. I'd be happy with any of the three, but if Jaden Daniels is now passed by Drake May and the Bears are locked on at Caleb Williams, I'll maintain what I was saying a month or so ago. Drake May falling to the Patriots at three is a dream scenario. That's what I want. Yeah, I would like to see that too. I'd be happy with Jaden Daniels. It's just if I have to pick between the two of Drake May and Jaden Daniels, I'm going with Drake May. To people who don't want to take the risk of drafting a quarterback that high because it's only about a 33% success rate over the last several seasons of drafts, I would just say, okay, but then tell me that you want a bridge quarterback. Like, if you're selling yourself on Bo Nix or J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penix, like, maybe if you're very, if you've been very specifically into one of those guys, I'll hear it. But otherwise, like, okay, you're just going to get Jacoby Brissett and you're going to hope that you're going to go be in the draft again next year. Right. Or that some quarterback is going to shake loose and you're going to be able to trade for him or contracts up and you overpay in free agency. You got to get a quarterback somewhere. And this idea that your roster is in so much shambles that you're going to destroy any quarterback that you take with the number three pick. I just can't buy that when, hello, we just saw how much the cap went up over the weekend and you've got so much money to play with where you can put a little bit around them. So uh, how would you prioritize those quarterbacks? What do you want them doing at three? Should they trade back? Should they trade up? These are things we've talked about. Uh, There seems to be more smoke around the idea that the Patriots are at least gauging interest in moving back uh, we'll get to that here momentarily uh, plus you can still vote in our big question of the day what interests you the most about the Patriots at the combine uh, the leader right now it's the quarterbacks at 35 percent 31 percent don't even like the combine they say it doesn't matter 29 percent losing a little bit of steam that's surprising for the mega superback Ryan uh, say hearing from Elliot Wolf and five percent say Gerard Mayo attending the combine which is a change from Bill a year ago Again, you can vote there, 617-779-7937. Now, there are a few other items here on the Patriots potentially moving back. I'll give you the most recent update first. Dakota Randall, formerly of Nesson, now at uh, Pro Football Network, I believe it is, says the Patriots have gauged the interest about moving back with the Vikings, and it's really more the Vikings feel like they're gauging interest about moving up. The Giants at six seem like a team that could move up for a quarterback with Washington or New England. The Falcons at eight, same deal, could move up to two or three. And to a lesser degree, teams like Minnesota, I think at 11, and the Raiders at 13 are gauging interest in moving up with the Pats. Uh, So Dakota Randall says the Vikings have checked in at the Senior Bowl. They're going to talk about it this week at the Combine. Jeremy Fowler yesterday on Sports Sports Center, rather, not Sports Illustrated, Sports Center said, The Raiders are looking to move up, and three is about the area where they're trying to target to move up and go get a quarterback. And so the only way I'd entertain that, and I don't know how the Patriots feel about the quarterbacks. I told you how I feel about the quarterbacks. The only way I entertain that is you only like Caleb Williams and Drake May, and you know Williams is going one. You think Drake May is going two. And you say, hey, Raiders, hey, Vikings, when we're on the clock at three, if our guy isn't there, May or Williams, we don't love Jaden Daniels. You guys love him. Antonio Pierce loves him from their days at Arizona State. The Vikings are somewhat locked in on him. If he's there at three, we don't like him. We'll entertain moving back for future firsts or maybe, just maybe, in the case of the Vikings, as we've discussed previously, Justin Jefferson could be a part of a deal. 
if that's how the Patriots feel, I'd entertain a trade back. But short of that, I don't want them moving back. I would hate the idea of them moving back. And I'm a little discouraged, just a little bit, at the idea that they're gauging all this interest about moving back. I feel that way too. But my concern is not so much about... If they're not into the quarterbacks, then they shouldn't go for the quarterbacks. And if they're only mildly interested in Caleb Williams, then they shouldn't mortgage the farm to go up and get Caleb Williams, which we've discussed before, because it's going to take a couple years, I think, to restock. So we di- you and the I pantry. disagree on this. That's how you feel. I disagree. That's, okay, with you on but that, I'm yeah. saying we've talked about it yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. You got to restock the pantry. I don't think you can go so far if you're only mildly interested in Caleb Williams and you don't like these other two quarterbacks at all. The the conversation that I just don't have any patience for is when you start saying, well, you got to stockpile picks. Okay, you got to Danny Ainge this situation. So would you rather have Marvin Harrison at three than trading back if they hate the quarterbacks? If they hate the quarterbacks, I'd yeah. Rather, then I'd rather I think trade you, back. Then I think you go and you get the best talent I think if I'd you hate the back. quarterbacks. I don't like the idea of you're just going to get blue chip and blue chip and hope that these other teams suck in their own rebuilds, and then you're going to keep wandering the desert looking for a quarterback. You're making a face. Why are you making a face? Because I have now talked myself into that you this, this team has so many holes that if there is a great player available at number three, just take him at number three. If you don't love the quarterbacks, Take take a lineman then take okay. a take a freaking wide receiver like you, there's so much work that needs to be done that if you don't love the quarterbacks you're basically pushing back your clock until next year. I know, but if if you're not taking a quarterback, you should get whatever you can for that pick now. And I wouldn't want to trade all the way to 13. That's where the Raiders are. 11 that feels a little far, but six or eight, <clears throat> I would move back into that territory for six. You you'll probably still get one of these receivers if you move back to six, and so. I'd be more into that kind of trade than just, oh, we're taking Marvin Harrison and that's it. And we're putting all the eggs in the Harrison basket and missing out on gaining future draft capital. Okay, so I hear that. But then where are you getting your – who's your quarterback? Uh, they don't like the quarterbacks in this scenario. Yeah. So I, I don't know. They don't like the quarterbacks. I like the quarterbacks, but I'm saying if they hate Jaden Daniels, they shouldn't draft not them. love the quarterbacks? I don't know. How, are, how, are the, how is the Patriots team in a position to be picky okay. over who's well, going Ryan, to number three? Ryan, are all three going to be good? Probably not, right? It could be. It could be the. Is number to, three uh, going to be better than what you've had for the last three okay. seasons, four Probably. seasons? Yeah, hundred percent. But that doesn't mean you have to take the guy at three. Even, even. Trust me, I'm like the king. Got to take the quarterback guy. But even I wouldn't go that far. If they hate a quarterback, they shouldn't draft him at three. Just because he's better than Mac Jones, like duh. Most of the league is better than Mac Jones. Your backup right now is better than Mac Jones. So if all I'm trying to do is get a better quarterback than Mac, of course I can do that. If they hate the quarterbacks, they should not draft one. So if they turn around at the draft and they trade back, you're going to come on the air that next day and be like, this was a good move for the Patriots if they didn't love the quarterback. No, I'm going to complain because I like the quarterbacks. But if they don't, they shouldn't take one. I have no idea how they feel about these quarterbacks. Their actions would tell me they didn't love who was there. Right? I don't uh, that that would be in oh that would be such a great start to the post Bill Belichick era more of the same uh, you know what I don't really like any of these quarterbacks so let's big brain the whole don't operation you don't you acknowledge moving back from like three to eight and getting a future first round pick or like a future first rounder and a second rounder doesn't that make way more sense than moving from twenty one to twenty nine and picking up like a dumb third round pick? Oh, absolutely. You know, like that makes way absolutely. more sense. Slightly, but now you're you're, but you're just, also sacrificing a lot. You're now more. the Atlanta Falcons, then, so you're just going to have you know a top ten pick, but the bottom half of the top ten, and Look, you're probably just going to be living around five or six wins until you do get a position to draft a quarterback. I high. think if they're trading back, they're afraid. They're afraid of hitching their wagons to a quarterback because once you hit your wagons, 
Gerard Mayo and Elliot Wolf, you're now on the clock, and you're going to get fired potentially over the crappy quarterback. That tends to be what happens. For God's sakes, it happened to Bill, and Bill has a better resume than any quarter, uh, coach in the history of the sport. So for God's sakes, he hitched his wagons to the wrong quarterback, Mac Jones. He pushed Brady out the door, and it came back to bite Bill. If they trade back, I'm going to feel it's because they're afraid. But I would at least get it if I could find out in some way that they hated Jaden Daniels. And you know whoever they draft, they're going to tell you they loved the whole time, and that was the top of their oh, draft board Oh, it's going to be Graf, Kraft's seventh son. Exactly. Right. Well, because he's already added Brady, and he's already added Bledsoe. Mike Reese is in there. It's probably his eighth kid. I swear Will Fork is in there somewhere, too. So, uh, no, I, I would be okay with trading back in that scenario. But my guess is the motivation would be self-preservation and fear. Yeah, and I don't like that at all. I don't, I don't like it at all. But then you hear about uh, the piece that you had about the Packer way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you hear about what the Packer way, which is basically just slow the rebuild. Yeah, so let me let me get to get that. your assets together. Let me get to that coming up. Let's take some phone calls. I'll pull up some of Mike Reese's notes over the weekend about the Packer way and Elliot Wolf. Uh, but let's go to John in New Hampshire waiting very patiently. Go ahead, John. John, hello? John uh, says it's important for Gerard Mayo to be at the Combine, Mego. That's uh, one of the 5% voting for that. It's important <laughs> for him to be at the Combine. I I think in general I would rather have my coach at the Combine. I said this about Bill last year. What's the harm in being there? I think it's dumb that McVay is skipping it, and McVay, I think, is arguably the best coach in the sport right now. I think it's dumb that uh, Robert Sala is skipping it. I forget what other coaches are skipping it. Mayo should be there. I think it's a little odd he's not going to be made available to the media as far as we know. But I think he should be there. In general, I'm happy that he's there. I just, I'd have it further down the list than the quarterbacks and Wolf speaking and, and everything else. Yeah, the those coaches not going, I, I think, is more in line with thinking that it's the underwear Olympics and you can get more work done at home than going to the combine. I just think it's Gerard Mayo's first time at all of this. So it's going to be helpful for him to be out of Gillette and rubbing elbows with other people because if we learn anything through this offseason so far, it's that his network seems to be a little bit limited. Yeah, or at least point. either it's limited or he can't really sell people on the opportunities here in Foxborough. So I think it's good for him to get out there and be with the rest of the league. Go talk up the Patriots. Go meet people around the league. Go have a Look, shrimp he's a, cocktail. Go rub elbows. He's, a Johnson. Van, he's exactly. an impressive, exactly. smart, and charming guy. So it's probably good for him to be out there rubbing elbows and talking to people in yeah, person. I think he should be there. I'm happy he's there. And I think it was a mistake for Bill not to go last year. But again, I just I I have it lower on my my priorities list at the combine than some of the other headline stuff. Uh Paul in Rhode Island is a Marvin Harrison Jr. fan. Mego, you were asking for these. Go yes. ahead, Paul. Yes, I think so. I think so. You will never have a chance to do this chance. And here's the deal. If you ever miss out on number three yeah. You always will get Jay, uh, um, the quarterback from Michigan. J.J. McCarthy is who he wants them to uh, to go get. I don't know how you're doing that. How are you How are you doing that? I'm just trying to figure out if Paul had his own sound effects. In well, there. I like, so we have a, a buddy of ours uh, when we do uh, our fantasy auction, our fantasy football auction. He will, uh, he'll have like a song queued up every time he hits on one of his picks. Ooh. And so I, maybe that's what Paul was trying to do there. Missed out on number three. <laughs> he just, he just mistimed it a little bit. He just wanted to kind of. That's had a great idea. Really emphasize, <laughs> emphasize his take at the end. And he just jumped the gun a little bit. It's okay. It's a little premature, Paul. Okay, it happens so, to all of us. It's okay. TJ McCarthy has been mocked as high as going as like. I've seen eight. In the eighth pick. Eight's, eight's so. the highest I've seen. Daniel Daniel Jeremiah had it in his last mock draft. That's the highest I've seen. So you're not going to get Harrison Jr. at three. 
and J.J. McCarthy. Unless he's saying moving off a of pick three, you could still get him. Maybe that's what he was saying. Uh, but unfortunately, he wasn't very clear. 617-779-7937. That's, that's the Harrison Jr. crowd. Those are the people you were asking for there, Mego. Yes. Uh, Mike Reese had this on Elliot Wolf. Uh, and he used Andrew Brandt. He interviewed Andrew Brandt, who used to be the Packers cap guy, effectively, uh, while Elliot Wolf was there under his father, Ron Wolf. And he passed along these comments on Elliot. He said, I believe before, during, and after my tenure in the Packer way, which in simplest terms is no quick fixes, slow and steady. Trust your scouting, trust your board, and almost mandate that your coaches will play young players. Although, as Ryan said in my ear when we brought this up earlier, they didn't play Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers sat for his first three seasons behind Brett Favre, and then to pay that even uh, pay that forward more, Jordan Love sat for the first two uh, seasons that he played behind Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so mandate that your coaches play the young players, dot, dot, dot. Aside from quarterbacks, who apparently don't play until you're four, uh, Brandt then continues, so it's draft and develop. And then, speaking to my end as a negotiator, once you identify those core players, get them under extensions way before free agency. So this is him passing along his view on how he thinks Elliot Wolf is going to proceed. They're going to draft. They're going to develop. If it's a quarterback, he's probably going to sit, although Brandt didn't say that. To Ryan's point, that's totally accurate. And they'll start locking up some of these young players way before free agency. I haven't seen that yet from Elliot Wolf. How do you feel about that plan, that approach, if they're going to do the quote-unquote Packer way? Well, I don't like that because I feel like it totally disregards what you can do in free agency. And when you say you're going to draft players, sure, you're going to work through the, the Packers drafts. Hardly, Packers and Steelers are like two teams that never sign anybody. That's yeah, true. Yeah, I would like some splashes in free agency. I would like you to get some tackles in free agency. I know that's not the kind of splash that you're looking for, no. but you need a couple turnkey guys on the offensive side of the ball because your offense is so bad. Like that side of the roster is so bad. And so when I hear you're going to build it out through the draft, Obviously, everybody wants to build out the team through the draft. Like, that's the ideal. But I also don't want to be sitting here for four years, like, waiting for, waiting out basically somebody's college term to see when the Patriots are going to be winning a playoff game again. No, it's true. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah echoed some of what Andrew Brandt said uh, to Mike Reese as well, as some Reese's Sunday notes. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said on a conference call that the Patriots have previously been, quote, one of the more niche drafting teams. How am I supposed to pronounce that? Niche. 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 Drafting teams in the league where they would catch you off guard a little bit because they were so obsessed with fit and might take a guy two or three rounds before anybody else. That sound familiar, Mego? Is he talking about anybody in particular there? Mm. Sounds like Cole Strange. Maybe Tyquan Thornton. Uh, who knows? Jeremiah Nikhil expects Harry. that to change. Into, who is that? Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry, who I happen to like very much, but true, it's another good one. Uh, Jeremiah expects that to change in 2024 with Elliot Wolf taking a leading role. Adding Wolf came up through the Green Bay system, the uh, Packer way, rather, that values versatile offensive linemen and receivers with dynamic yards after catchability and added value as kick returners. So, look, I'm, I'm all for that. If you can get yourself an electric receiver, then you should go get that. But the idea that he's going to be more, more of a tried-and-true, stick-to-the-general-consensus type of draft... I think the Patriots could use some of that. Like, stop drafting way out of left field for random fits because you think you're smarter than everybody else. That would be refreshing if the Patriots started drafting that way, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the other bit that you said before about, hey, you're going to work out a deal to retain these guys that you draft that you like, 
<laughs> way ahead of free agency becoming a possibility, yeah, that would be a nice change of pace for the Patriots because it's been quite the opposite over the last six years or so. And they just haven't done any of it. But first, you got to get players and develop players that you like. Right. And to me, though, I don't, I don't like the guys they have right now. On when you Duggar, guys like this, I'm not paying those guys. And you're not, in this scenario, wouldn't be extending them long before free agency. You're probably overpaying because they are now on the open free agent market or just about. 617-779-7937. That's how you jump in here on Jones and Mego. Without Arcand, uh, what are you looking forward to the most at the Combine? What are your takeaways? Uh, do you want to hear from Elliot Wolf? What do you want to hear from Elliot Wolf? What are you looking at at the quarterbacks? Could the Patriots entertain moving back outside of the top 10? with teams like the Raiders or Vikings reportedly looking to move up the board. Again, you can jump in on the phone, 617-779-7937, and we have triple play next. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI. It's going to be a triple play. It's time for the triple play. Yes! Triple play! The top three burning questions of the day. And there's three. With Jones and Mago. Triples is best. Triples is best. Oh, yeah, Jones and Mego. It's 445 on a weekday, and you guys know what we do on 445s on weekdays. It is triple play because it is a Monday. That means it is a buy or sell Monday, so I'm going to hit my own sound effects here so we can start buying and selling. Number one. So I do all the work back here. Executive uh, producer. Yes, I'm the executive producer of triple play. What is Arkan? He's, he's my producer. Intern. He's <laughs> right. He's, is he your assistant producer? I he's think I, not technically here. He is. Yeah. He is my. Is what he well, is. No, Brian is my assistant today. today. But yeah, no, Brian today. But in general, what is Arcan's title? We need intern. to. We need to work that out. What is Arcan? <laughs> it's an existential question. Normally, he writes these questions, but I got to have a swing at it today. So, number one on buy or sell Monday, uh, it was announced today that there would be a. Let me find the words. What did KPD tweet out? Uh, that the Bruins announced an average of or blended increase of nine and a half percent in cost of 24 25 season tickets adam jones i asked you but do you buy or sell that the bruins have been good enough for a almost 10 percent increase to season ticket prices okay. you know me i think the bruins are pretty good i think they're going to go farther than a year ago i think they're worth investing in but hell no are they worthy of a 10 percent increase for season tickets no i sell that and we talked about this last week i know you didn't buy into it mego this was a, a show intern christian arcan take about the Celtics and their spending and how they can save the city, it's like we're already questioning Robert Kraft and his spending. We're crush, uh, questioning the Red Sox and their spending. Jacobs is real tight to the cap right now, but it's like he's raising season ticket prices again, 10% blended pricing or whatever that is. That feels like another gouge from an owner. Like Jeremy Jacobs, whoever's advising him right now, Henry's so wildly unpopular. And Robert Kraft is teetering right now because he's just stabbing Bill in the back. He's teetering. Maybe give him some advice where, hey, you don't want to wade into that. Or maybe, maybe, because everybody's so hung up on the other owners in town and dumping on the other owners in town, Jeremy Jacobs was like, hey, you know what? I think I could sneak in a 10% increase. Whatever it is, no, they're not worth it, and they shouldn't be doing it. What, they, they haven't won in a decade plus. 10%, that's a, that's a massive jump. A massive jump. Obviously, the Jacobs family has had their own struggles with the fan base and their public persona or their relationship with the fans. But come on, like, they step in it time and time again. If it's not the ticket increase, 
following the season when you had one of the most historic meltdowns of a team going into the postseason with Stanley Cup uh, expectations. And then you go in, you have this dumb, dumb bag policy. Like, have they recalled that? Have they rolled that back yet? No. Everybody was bitching like I, two was, years ago. It was in effect when, at Disney on Ice last week, I can tell you that. When they did uh, redid a bunch of the seats and the seats are all cramped, you're basically like sitting with your knees up under your chin in front of, with a person next to you, no elbow room. It is not for room. people of average height, that Like, is true. come on, guys. It, it's just so out of touch. I sell this completely. So, it is a good point. And now I wonder, now that you're saying that, do, do they, are they linked isn't part of the reason they have this new bag policy at the garden? Don't they have a new screening process that they probably paid a crap ton of money for? Right, sure. it's AI like screening people. Yeah. Was well, this probably paying for that? The ten percent season ticket increase is that how they're paying for it? And so the bag policy that everybody hates is probably being paid for by the season ticket increase for a team that hasn't won in a decade plus and has won once in my lifetime. Yeah, and they want you to go buy your Going tampons and diapers in the pro shop. <laughs> Right, that too. So, like, no, I sell this idea. It's a horrible idea, but, you know, classic Bruins. I just figured out what Arcand is. Show mascot. Number mascot, two. Nice. Number two. Number two, if you were watching college basketball over the weekend, you saw the Wake Forest, what are they, the Demon Deacons, yes. uh, upset the ranked Duke basketball team. And in the aftermath of that, uh, we had an old-fashioned court storming, and uh, one of the standout players for Duke, Kyle Filipowski, ended up injured in that oh. court storming because uh, a wild college fan ran into his leg and they had to you know, shield him as they were walking off the court, and there was much outcry about what to do about this issue. Number two, Megan, I pose to you, do you buy or sell that court storming should be banned? I fully sell this. I'm really surprised the number of people who want this banned. I would ask you this because this was a little bit under the radar, but a conversation a few weeks ago when something similar happened with Caitlin Clark and a fan ran into her storming the court. At Ohio State, yeah. And I just go, okay, so now there's two different incidents of this, and it feels like there's a wave of chaos that we need to prevent and protect our college athletes. Storming the court and storming the field is freaking awesome. It's so fun as a student as an athlete, I think you would welcome it. And, like, for the most part, I think a lot of student athletes have enough general awareness. Not saying it's either of their fault. Like, stuff happens. But for how long we've it's been kinda, doing this? Filipowski is, like, bending over like okay. he's, like, leaning into the Just, contact. like, be aware of your surroundings. I don't understand. It's such a fun celebration and tradition. And if you've ever been part of it on either side... It's so freaking fun. Like, can we just have fun with it? Okay. It's just. Why do we have to pretend like everything's precious and we have to keep everyone like, oh, it's like a collectible doll. You have to keep in a little box and protect it. Like, no. You want to talk about wussification of sports? This is it. This is it. We can't storm the court. We can't run out and celebrate. And Jay Billis can spare me. He went to Duke. He's a he's a Duke fan, a Duke super fan. Spare me. Oh, oh. We could do away with this. We didn't used to cover this. We didn't used to show this on Sports Illustrated. We could get rid of it if we wanted because to. Because guys didn't get hurt. Just stop showing it. Yeah, yeah got, people haven't gotten hurt because it doesn't usually result in that. So why do you need to change it? Storm the court. And I've never stormed the court. It might be fun. It might not be fun. I might hate doing it if I was actually there and a student there. It might be beneath me. I have no idea. What do you do when you get it? It's like the dog that catches the squirrel. Like, what do you do? You're like, all right, now I'm on then the court. You, you jump around. Talk about the wussification of sports. We can't storm the court anymore. It's totally stupid. So Don't get soft. me wrong. So it's soft. stupid, but it's fun.
And that's what college sports is about. Okay, I sell the idea. You should be able to storm the court. I'm with Stupid you. Stupid and fun. Much like this segment. One more. <laughs> Number three. Number three on a buy or sell Monday. Now, you guys were off on Friday. Got a jump start to the weekend a little early. Arcan not here today, not here all week. And it got me thinking about the three-day weekend. So, Jones, I will ask you for number three, buy or sell. Do you buy or sell a three-day weekend is better having Friday off instead of having Monday off? Oh, yeah, I buy that. I just went through that this past weekend, uh, as did Mego. Having Friday off is way better than having Monday off. You're shaking your head back there, Brian? Uh, what am I doing on a Monday? Like, nobody else is off on a Monday on, like, a Friday. Like, I can I can enjoy my Friday night. I have a long weekend. I'll tell you what. It's sometimes nice from a work perspective to be back on a Tuesday and catch up on, like, a long weekend and be like, oh, the Monday show with all the weekend stuff, I'm going to do that on a Tuesday just from a selfish radio host standpoint. But in general, no, it's way better to enjoy the weekend to have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. Saturday, Sunday, Monday? It doesn't really do anything for me. It's just like this. My whole life, I've been conditioned to Friday is my favorite day. Friday is the best day. Ryan knows I get in a Friday mood. More that's than like, Saturday. Oh, well, yeah, oh, I do. You, do. Like, you like Friday more than Saturday? Yeah, because then Why? at the end, because at the end of the day, Friday, I feel like I've accomplished stuff. Saturday, a lot of times I just feel like a fat slob who's like a waste of oxygen. Yeah, that's why it's the best day. Uh, no, but I don't feel good. Like on Fridays, usually at the end of the day, I feel good. And then you have the whole weekend ahead. It's about the anticipation. Sunday nights to Monday is always going to be a bummer. Like, I've just been conditioned my whole life that it's kind of a bummer. So even when I'm off, like, even if it's a three-day weekend or something that goes from Sunday to Monday, I still get the yucky, it's not even Sunday scaries, it's just, like, Sunday bummers. What is he, what, Brian, what do you like about having Mondays off? Uh, well, because then you get the anticipation of having, you know, a long day weekend the week leading up to the weekend. And then you get a short week. And then you get the short week after. I understand so that, but you already had makes- your short week. Yeah, and you get to look forward to the short week right, so starting the on Monday. Long weekend's over. You then have a short week at work the next week. It's a four-day week. It's mm, then Tuesday just feels like Monday to me. Yeah, and then I, I'm bummed look, out on Tuesday. I get what he's saying. I reject it, but I get what he's saying. I like I like having Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And here's the other thing: when I'm off on Friday, like if that's a fun. That's just a fun party day. If I'm off on Monday, yeah, I start, I doing? I start to feel like, oh, Monday, well, this is the day you got to tackle the week, get ahead on everything. See, I'm at that point in life where I'm like, ooh, I I have a Monday off. That means I can go to the grocery store. There's not going to be know, anyone right. there but me and the old I ladies. Can my real, I can get my hair cut. My oh, real adult great. stuff on a Monday. I mean, something to be said for being off while everybody else is at work. That is nice. And like, but but that's not even a real thing anymore, Ryan. Because as you know, everybody works from home. We'll just call it the staff <laughs> Every, of Odyssey it's Boston. Like, it's I mean, like, like being in Europe. Yeah, everybody. You every, walk around and you're like, what are all these people doing having lunch yeah, on a weekday? Right, as you know, I can't do any of that stuff because everybody already works from home. So I, I want to go to the grocery the hall, store. None of the lights are on. <laughs> on this, like, we are the only lit room in this floor. So there you go. That we affectionately call the sub basement. That was triple play. Each and every day at this time here at on Jones time. and Mego with Arcan, uh, or even without Arcan, uh, we still carry through. Great work by Ryan Garvin. Uh, we have Brian making his case for having Mondays off. You can jump in. Very controversial. 617-779-7937. We can also get back to whether or not you're feeling bad for Bill Belichick. You've been watching Dynasty. Episodes 1, 2 came out a week ago. 3 and 4 came out this past weekend. Are you starting to feel bad for Bill? Let's get to it next. From the WEEI Studios, 93.7, WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. We'll start with your dad, obviously. Um, my only question about him is, I'm not going to pry, but is he okay? Is he good? Uh, 
yeah, I think he's good. You know, yeah. let the stuff roll off your back and and move forward. He he doesn't dwell unless we've lost the game and he needs to get on some guys. <laughs> but you know, eventually you got to turn the page. So now, I mean, honestly, I wasn't too involved in any of that stuff. He did his thing, I did yeah. my thing, and and that was kind of that. But um, he's definitely pursuing some other stuff, whether it's TV or hopefully Ooh. a regular on the green light or you know, whatever mean, it may CBS. be. That is Steve Belichick, electric I as always. cannot wait for Bill to be on the new season of Love is Blind. <laughs> He'll be on the other side of the wall like, uh, yeah. Caught on ring camera edition of Love is Blind is what that's going to be. That's Ooh. obvious. I'm just going to tell you, Love is Blind is going to play into the conversation in a half hour. Oh, it is? And Greg Hill is as well. Oh, he is? Yeah. Hey, it's Greg. I I actually think, I would say 90% of the time I have no idea what's coming up in Meg's planning. I, I actually do think I know what this one is. It's going to go in a direction that you're not expecting. <laughs> I'm giving you a super tease right now. Okay. That's at 5.30. Meg's planning each and every day here on Jones and Mego. Without Arcan today. Yes. Yeah, so if you're almost home on your commute right now, maybe turn back around, drive back to work, Let me and tell then you. drive back again. My good buddy JP in North Providence, if you're listening, he, he recommended this many years ago uh, when I first had a child. He said, you know what you're going to want to do, Jones? <laughs> oh, no. You're going to want to carve out on your commute home. You're going to want to carve out, you know, like 10 or 15 minutes of just, you know, time to yourself where you can sit in your car and thumb through your phone and just sit there and listen to the radio. And he's like, you're going to want that. And you know what? He's right. It's, yeah, uh, so, so you know what you're doing? You thought it was going to take a darker turn than I that? I thought it was going to go more the way of some Red Sox players <laughs> in parking lots. No, no, no. no. I, this is not advice I got from Reese McGuire. This is advice I got from my, uh, my good buddy JP in North Providence. He said, yeah, you know, if you're out, you're going to the grocery store, take 10 extra minutes to yourself. Thumb through your phone. Take a deep breath. Hide from your family is effectively what he said. And if you're looking to hide from your family, sit in your car for like 10 or 15 That's minutes. That's actually quite wait, annoying for those for of us who are trying to like find a parking space. Oh, is it? Yes, it is. is it? It's so not, annoying I'm when you see a, somebody just sitting with I'm their in a parking with, space, with the lights on, like vroom, they're just thumbing through their phone like not, a moron. I'm not street parked, but I might be hiding out in some parking lot somewhere, taking 10 minutes to set my fantasy lineup or put my bets in for that. Yeah, it was that while the, I'm hiding my, from my family. Yeah, my I might do that. Favorite Star Market, which is in Dorchester. Like I love it. And wait, it's I know. So, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know that one. Right off Morrissey Boulevard? Yeah. Yeah, that's where that the old... That one rocks. That's Brian knows. That's where the uh, That the one's so good. Yeah. And I love going there, but the parking lot is always jammed because everybody else loves it too. And then you'll have some idiot like you just sitting in one of the spots, just staring at <laughs> hiding, their phone. Hiding from their family. Scrolling through yeah. TikToks. And I'm like, move it or lose it, bozo. Yep. That's that's what I'm doing. That's 100% what I'm doing. Uh, and so if you're looking to hide from your family, you wait in the car until Meg's planning happens at 530. Trying to get in there and buy some gluten-free pizzas for oh, my man. You're crushing it today. Okay, just just so you know, you're the one who told people to wait in their cars. So where do you think they're doing that? Smarty pants, where do you think they're doing that? No, I'm saying get in, in your parking car, lots, drive back to work, uh, uh, surprise parking. your boss. I'm, oh my God, I'm back. I'm doubling down on what I, you said. The grind is double and then drive back home. I'm not saying sit in your car yeah, and gotta, wait in a parking lot. They got to wait somewhere and do it. Inconvenience other people. Okay. Uh, that's Meg's planning coming up. Uh, so, by the way, the always electric Steve Belichick uh, was on the Greenlight podcast. If you didn't get that reference there, uh, that's what he was saying. Maybe Bill can uh, line up a recurring theme, a recurring interview with the Chris Long podcast. Steve Belichick, and he was led into it. And Chris Long said, how's your dad doing? Just, I mean, how, how's he doing, man? Just off the bat. Are we... Are we at the point where we're starting to feel bad for Bill 
whether it's through watching the episodes of the Dynasty, where Bill's really getting ripped pretty good, having dirt shoveled on his grave, whether it's just him being out of a job. I mean, look, the guy was in the league for uh, half a century. Now he doesn't have a job. But is he okay? Is he good? <laughs> is he okay? I mean, how's your dad doing? Is he okay? Um, you know, is he just sleeping his way through Nantucket getting caught on ring cameras left and right? What's he doing? How's he doing? Not in February. That's probably true. Um, got to be in like West Palm or something. Hang him. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, is it there? Is it, uh, uh, is it because you feel badly because uh, Gerard Mayo is stabbing him in the back? Or Robert Kraft, two hours after they were up there hugging on stage, kind of, uh, was again just ripping Bill limb from limb. Are you at a point where you, Mego, sympathetic to all, felt bad for Mac Jones last year, among other people? Are you at a point where you're feeling bad for Bill? So I've, I, I, when we first talked about this, I thought that you were talking directly about the documentary series so, so far because Dynasty a, a is definitely more so it. from the craft perspective. It's craft productions or craft dynasty productions, whatever the exact phrase that they stamp on there is. But he does, he is getting knives out from all directions. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just the nature of trying to turn the page. If you're someone like Gerard Mayo, I don't think Gerard Mayo has it out for Bill that he's trying to be on some smear campaign against Bill right now. I don't know if I can say the same for the crafts, if that's intentional or it's just kind of all part of turning the page. Like, I feel bad for Bill because... I don't think he predicted that it would go this way, that he would be sitting here and he wouldn't have a job. He's the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. Or if you don't feel that way, you can say he's at least the most accomplished coach in the history of the NFL. So, yeah, I feel bad, but I also feel like there is a level of it that is, okay, like you made your bed. This is it. Sleep in it. So, yeah, I don't feel badly that like he should still be the coach here or anything like that. Uh, and it's unfair to a certain extent. Yeah. It, well, it's unfair. I don't think it's unfair. The, the criticism bill is getting necessarily. What I think is unfair is other people. Yes. Who are to blame are trying to shirk responsibility. Robert Kraft. Oh, they're putting it all on. Bill. Right. And so that that's my like bill deserves plenty of criticism. I've criticized the crap out of him. He shouldn't have a job here. If anything, they were too loyal to him and stuck to him for too long, stuck with him for too long. But it's like, oh, Bill ruined Mac. Well, no, let's let's put some real blame on Mac because Mac allowed himself to be ruined. Uh, and is oh, he Bill, okay? Is he good? Bill shoved uh, Tom Brady out the door. Well, he did, but the owner didn't have to sign off on it, and he did. And so that that's where I guess I feel bad, quote unquote, for Bill. But it's really just other people shirking responsibility. But where I ultimately land on this in the documentary specifically, if Bill went in and weren't so adversarial. If Bill went in and was a human being and played the game and answered questions and wasn't so stiff and uncomfortable and treating it like a Wednesday press conference, like Bill treats some of the questions like we're on to Cincinnati. That's how he treats it. And it's striking. It's striking to watch him with, was it Armin Katayan on 60 Minutes? Who was that interview like years ago? It was Armin Katayan watching that interview where he's like kind of answering everything, which I had forgotten about. I'd, I saw that interview when it happened. I just didn't really remember that. He kind of played the game, believe it or not, in the heat of Spygate. But then he's now in the Dynasty, episode four, and he's being asked about Spygate, and he's like, yeah, I think I've talked about that before. I'm not going to make any new comments on it. I'm done with that. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but something to that effect. And that's striking to me. And that's ultimately where Bill loses any real sympathy from me. He's not sympathetic. He's combative. He's adversarial. And so, no, I don't have a lot of sympathy. 
but we laid into it a little bit more. Can I hear the second Steve Belichick clip? We, we didn't play this earlier about the game day appearance. I think Chris Long leads him into this, uh, so you might hear him on the front end, but here's more from Steve Belichick. Uh, a couple of weeks before we played Pittsburgh, maybe Kirk Kerbsery called the called the game. Oh, I know. And so I was talking. Lost a I lot of money on that game, Steve. Sorry. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, good. That's what you get. That's what you get. Uh, we still had it in us. Uh, but he was like, yeah, your dad's going to come on game day in a couple of weeks to the Army-Navy game. And in my head, I'm like, I hope he just goes out and beats him is himself and you know is you know like shows his personality a little bit which he doesn't do most of the time unless you're in the building yes and then once you're in the building you see his things he likes to say which i'm not going to say any here Mm -hmm. but um you kind of kind of get a sense of his humor and you know putting on the helmet and stuff like that like he does like that a lot but it no one ever sees it and so i was happy that he People at least saw a better side of him that not a lot of people see. Okay, so number one, he puts on helmets a lot. Is that what you're saying? He just like, just He's running just... around putting on crazy helmets? <laughs> that's, Walking around. That's... How old is this one? All right, pop it on. Ah, they're like, ah, oh, Bill's doing his bit again. <laughs> He's doing the helmet bit. So that's number one. Oh, Bill. Number two, all right, so Steve Belichick is talking about his dad and sharing his personality on game day. We'll apply that same answer to Bill Belichick in Dynasty. Okay, like, but doesn't, Steve Belichick must be mortified watching his dad in this thing. Bill Belichick in Dynasty just reads so much like, my boss wants me to do this dumb thing, and so I'm doing it. It's like one of the rare occasions when you feel like, oh, yeah, Kraft really was Bill's boss at the end because it's like, okay, this is Kraft's thing. I'm just going to sit down and be a good soldier or whatever, but I'm not going to play your game. Okay, you say so- that about the 60 minutes. Like, yeah, there's a difference between trying to spin the story back to you in a positive way, which is what it seemed like he was trying to do in that interview versus him being like, I'm just here so I don't get fined, essentially. Yeah. I mean, he basically told 60 minutes, I misinterpreted the rules and he got pressed. Yeah. But he at least tried to answer the question. Now he's just like, I'm not answering it. Seattle. But to your point, yeah, he's just Seattle. We're on to Cincinnati. He's just stonewalling. But to your point earlier, Mego, you said, well, maybe maybe Bill just knows, look, I'm not going to say anything because I'm not going to look good if I answer anything. So I'm just going to tap out of answering. And you know who's going to look bad for answering all this stuff? Robert or Jonathan or whomever. Like people who actually participate in this, they're going to say the wrong thing and they're going to come out of it looking badly. And furthermore, where am I really going to tell my side of the story? In Robert's vehicle on Apple TV? or when I put out the definitive Patriots documentary on NFL Films or wherever it's going to air, probably NFL Films. It's called Helmets. <laughs> just just me doing my... Old-timey helmets. The old helmet bit. Um, that's, Ernie Adams is just falling over himself. <laughs> that's where he's going to get This one it. always leaves me in stitches. He knows he's not going to get a good edit in this thing, so he doesn't even try. He's like, I don't want to be a part of this, to your point. And he's going to tell his side of the story eventually. And I'm still surprised we haven't gotten it yet through back channels, but it's coming. Make no mistake, Bill will punch back. And when he does, it will be ugly. 617-779-7937. More of your feedback here. You already gave us a little tease of what's coming up in Meg's planning, mm-hmm. but uh, what can we expect? Love is blind. Greg Hill. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> what else? <laughs> so... In Meg's planning, there has been this controversy around the reality TV show Love is Blind. And if you don't watch the TV show, it doesn't really matter. I've seen it before. I'm not watching the current season, but I've seen I, it in the past. I would recommend watching it, but it's more about if you get yourself in trouble by saying you have a celebrity doppelganger. Uh-oh. And this go- cuts a couple different ways. 
because there is a Greg Hill doppelganger on this TV show, and there's also a person on this TV show who claims a celebrity doppelganger herself that is insane. Okay, world's colliding. That's in Meg's planning. Uh, we'll get to more thoughts on the dynasty as well right after trending with Ryan Garvin. Remember, you can listen to WEEI on your smart speaker. Just say, play 93.7 WEEI. Now, more of Jones and Mego on WEEI. Ernie Adams, I don't even know how to describe him. We used to see this guy walking around. He had these glasses, this mustache. Always talking to Belichick in private. They were always like kind of whispering. Ernie Adams being at the center of Spygate made perfect sense to me. He's a football savant. Ernie Adams is a genius. There's not one detail that Ernie Adams would not know about. Just so you know, on this whole video thing. The video thing? The Jets game in 2007. Oh. Okay. I just, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to reopen it. Well, we have to talk it a little Yeah, right. But just, just, you know, I mean, this is, you're not going, I'm not, like, could I tell you stories? Yes. Am I going to, no, I got some, I, I, this is, I, it's going to the grave with me a little bit. Okay. Well, let's just talk about it. We'll see where we go. Oh, that was great. Everybody was doing it. Oh, Matt Chatham on Twitter. Oh, you're not stealing signals. Everybody can see it. We're not hiding anything. Or like Bill Belichick. What do you say a few years ago? I mean, yeah, we did it in front of 70,000 people. Anybody could see it. Yeah, not everybody was recording it. So not they could go back and study it. <laughs> probably in real time. Like, this is what people are missing. Like... They're filming it. They're probably, we're probably breaking it down in real time. And it's a divisional opponent. And they have years and years and years of notes. Yeah, no, that game was a divisional opponent. They did it to everybody. They had years and years of notes. And so, like, oh, everybody was doing it. Oh, what's the big advantage? Everybody could see it. No, no, no. Ernie Adams, when asked about it, and I think preemptively, I think, if uh, best I can read that clip, is he probably sat down and five seconds later, he's like, hey, Matt Hamachek, the director, I'm not going to talk about this. Like, they hadn't even started yet. I'm sure he said, what are the topics we're doing today? Yeah. Oh, that, just so you know. I don't even... I'm not getting into but it. But I don't think he was... I don't think they were telling him. I think he was like, guys, I'm not doing... He sounded shocked. Like, Matt Hamachek, the director, the second voice you hear there, sounds shocked. He's like, what are you He's talking He's going to the grave with me a little bit. Okay, well, let's just talk about it. We'll see where we go. He's like, okay, well, we'll get to it, Ernie. Stop, you know, stop being all hot and bothered about it. Like, we're going to get to it. And so... That's the only thing I found amusing about that. It's like you were cheating. You got caught. You had this huge, huge, prolonged scheme, and you got caught, and you had notes, and they smashed up the tapes, and it was Robin Glazer who provided the hammer, for God's sakes, of smashing up the tapes, and they tore up your notes and everything else. And Ernie Adams is going to go to the grave with it? Just so you know, on this whole video thing. Spygate. The video thing? Like Ryan, Ryan said that earlier. Yeah, the video thing. It's Spygate. called Spygate, Ernie. Colloquially, we call it Spygate. Spygate. Yeah, it's a bit. It was a big thing. I don't know if you remember it. And so, like to me, that just should put to bed the idea that every team was doing it, and the Patriots weren't pressing the envelope anymore, and they weren't caught red-handed. Why is Ernie Adams going to the grave with it if it's not a big deal? The Jets game in two thousand seven. Spygate. Maybe you do you think any of it has to do with he doesn't want to get into the interpersonal stuff of Eric Mangini and like how far back this goes? Maybe. But like, why wouldn't he? Because he doesn't want to go. I'm probably because Bill doesn't want him to talk about it. Okay, you don't think Bill wants Ernie Adams to stick up for him? 
You don't think Bill wants Ernie Adams to go to bat for him but and be this, like, we weren't actually cheating? Jones, this goes to what we were just talking about, which is maybe this is the root cause of it, that Bill went from trying to spin it back to his favor to make him look good to just going, you know what? I'm not even going to entertain the question. Okay, well, You're not worth my answer. Saying you're going to the grave with it doesn't help anybody. No, it doesn't. And furthermore, here's what I think. It's similar to the, the Jonathan Kraft clip we played earlier. Where Kraft was like, hey, guys, stop for a second. I need to restart. And they mm-hmm. left it in. I bet that's what this was with Ernie. Where Ernie just never thought this was going to see the light of day. He thought they were, like, talking at the beginning of the interview. Yeah, sure, cameras are rolling. Is but- this a hot microphone? <laughs> well, these scribes are going to turn it against me. Hot mic. Do you schedule sucks? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> Remember from the hot mic from the morning show? <laughs> Sorry, this is wi- this is Wiggy and uh, discussing uh, Wiggy and Ernie Adams. Me scheduling my sex. Yes. Yeah, so I see. Ew, I stop saying my. Foyer's a freak for sure. Gresh probably is too. No, <laughs> not Gresh. You don't think? No, I feel like Jones. He schedules his sex yeah, for the my week. sex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's, just, I, it's going to the grave with me a little bit. <laughs> I agree. Ernie, you dog. So look, just real quick on yeah. that though, because. By not saying, and this is my issue with like Bill Belichick not being forthright on anything in this documentary that could be interesting to Patriots fans. By you turning around, Ernie, and saying, well, I'm just going to take that to the grave. But then the next shot they're going to show is Robert Kraft being like, well, I talked to Bill and I He's said on a scale of one to a hundred, how important is this? Well, it's a one. Okay, so maybe you could get into the idea of like, well, this is actually why it's important, or this is why the whole thing was overblown, and this is what we had, and it really wasn't important. This is what I always say about the Patriots. Do not leave it up to us, because the majority of us are going to assume the worst instead of giving you the benefit of the doubt. And this was your opportunity to tell the world, unless you just don't think, you know, are we too stupid to understand what you were doing, Ernie? Are we not, you know, qualified to understand the reasoning behind what you're doing bill let the fans know well, so like, they can actually turn around and go actually no really wasn't that big of a deal after all you like the line from jackie mcmullen right where she basically said you know bill just thought he was too smart to get caught and that's an excellent way to get caught yeah that that bill had gotten to this point already you know this is still pretty early on because we really yada yada past those second and third oh, super bowls yeah. but all bill thinks that he knows more than anybody else in the league and his little protege for the jets knows exactly what they have probably been doing i would assume for a while and turns around and goes they're going to do it to us and no. we're going to call them out and the patriots are so brazen they knew they were warned by the league and they still did it so I don't feel bad for the Patriots. You're starting to feel bad for Bill Belichick. 617-779-7937. I think I know how Alan Everett feels, but let's hear from you, Al. Go ahead. You there, guys? Yeah, we got you. What are you listening to back there? What's playing in the background? Uh, I'm at the casino. Let me move over here. Oh, nice. Is that better? Is that nice. better? No, are the table's hot. How are you doing? I'm up a couple hundred. Nice. So All right. So we, we got... We got new domain, two. new domain for uh, it was. We can really expand. It was Tom.com. Well, we got it was Tom.com phase two, guys. You guys helped me with the first one. Now it's phase two. I can't believe that you of all people, this show is the only show on this station that isn't up Bill Belichick's you know what. And y'all, what, you're asking, are we feeling bad? Let me ask a yeah, question. Yeah, Al, the answer was Let no. Let me ask a question. Yeah. Let me ask. Yeah. All right, let me ask you a question. If we now know from Seth Wickersham all this stuff that's come out, especially with this documentary should be, should be the subject. 
every week, all week of, of the revelations we've learned of, of just how bad this guy was acting. So 2006, he was talking he could win with a top 15 quarterback. If Andy Reid right now, right now was talking about he could win with any quarterback, he should be fired, right? I'd say he could so at least get to the things- Super Bowl. I mean, if you, were, if, you were shoving, if you were shoving Mahomes out the door, sure. And so, look, I think Bill deserved to lose his job. I, we're just asking the question if fans are starting to feel bad. That's all. Because Kraft is laying it on so thick. It's really more a Kraft thing. Uh, my answer is no. I don't feel bad for Bill. I do think Kraft should take a little more blame than he's taking. And I think this is a vehicle to shirk that blame. It would be one thing if he wasn't invited to part take in this documentary then you'd be like wow he's kind of getting railroaded because he doesn't have his opportunity no, to he's there say he's not helping but himself. he's he is there Agreed. and instead he's looking down his nose at every question so like bill you're doing it to yourself no i that that's ultimately where i land if too. you care about that which i don't think he does how about jay in north carolina on the bruins go ahead jay hey yeah guys listen number 73 for the new york rangers matt rempe yep he's what the bruins need he's six seven he likes to fight and uh, they're going to face the Florida Panthers in the finals. I'm sure of it. Because the Florida Panthers are the dirtiest team in the league with Matt Kachuk leading the way. They hit after the whistle. They hit the goalie. They're just an antagonistic team. They need to get this Matt Rempe or, or one of his someone, targets. Someone like him. Okay. Do the Bruins need a, a brawler? they need a goon there, Mego? I mean, they kind of did this at the trade deadline last year. Not that it, they went out and no, got they a full-blown goon. It's no, just, goons don't exist as The much. role of Garnett Hathaway is it, being played by... Is Rempe just a goon? Is there more to him than that? He hasn't well, been up for yeah. very long in the yeah. NHL. So, like, you're shaking your head, Brian. There's more to his game than that? I have no idea. I just saw some of his fights so far. He's giant. I mean, he's not quite Chara's height, but he's, no, he's not. six seven or whatever the hell he is. He's got more heft to him than Chara, though. Yeah, I don't pretend to know a lot about him, but I don't get why the Rangers would move him, number one. Number two, I don't think that's what the Bruins need. Did you enjoy the fight, though? Oh, that fight was, yeah, I mean, an all-out brawl. Insane. <laughs> but then he had another fight the next night where he kind of got beaten up a little bit. And so, I mean, look, Parker I- Wortherspoon fights, too. He's been in your system. Yeah, he beat up ninety-nine-year-old Corey Perry. The other I don't night. think it's what the Bruins need. I don't think the Bruins need a, a, a fighter. I think they have much bigger needs than that. Um, just real quick, Derek Forbert missing a team meeting. We haven't discussed that yet. Yes. Does that tell you anything? Is that just is that just a weird day? I mean, they're out. They're on the road. Okay, they're out west. Where's he from? I feel like he's from like Alberta or something like that. I feel like he's from Western Canada, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe he played in Western Canada. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's a lot to read into that, but just watch that a little bit. Is Montgomery losing his grip a little he's bit? Is all I would Duluth, say. from Duluth, Minnesota. Okay, so not so he's from. Uh, never mind. He's from the United States. I, I take that back. And so I thought he. I thought he was from Western Canada, but I guess I'm wrong. Is, is that a sign of Montgomery losing it a little bit? No. You know, not that. Not that Derek Forbort is like your yeah. your team captain or anything, but is that a sign where the guys are like, screw it? I know there's curfew, but I'm out. I wouldn't take it that way yet, but I don't think it's a good symptom of the slide that you've been in since All-Star break. But I wouldn't look at it like, oh, my God, they have zero respect for Montgomery now. Okay, watch it. Let's see if there's any more uh, disciplinary reports on the Bruins. 617-779-7937. You can jump in on the phones. But first, let's get to Megsplaining. Why don't you explain this to me like I am an eight-year-old? Do you need it broken down? It's so dumb. Why don't you explain this to me like I'm five? Well, lucky for you. I don't know how else to talk about it. Shut up, Meg. It's time for... Now I let you know! Meg explaining. Meg Jones, do you have any celebrities who people say you look like? A doppelganger. Doppelganger has well, become like a term that no, everybody kind of knows now. You two have said I look like... Uh... 
Macaulay Culkin's brother on Succession. You guys have brought that up. Yeah, before. Roman Roy on Succession. And so I, I, I that's get that more of an Arcan take. Okay. I guess I can see some of it in like the expressions that you make, but mm. I wouldn't say that he. I think he's like a very small man because he's a Culkin, and they tend to trend smaller. You know. What was that? So what are we saying? What are we saying about me? I'm just I'm that. A, I don't think you're as. Petite oh, I'm not that Kieran small. Oh, I thought you were saying that's why. I no, get but I think okay, in the good. face you look similar. Got it. Okay, Kieran actually a Culkin is okay. his name. Got it. Do you get any others? I don't think so off the top of my head, but let me think. Ryan, do you get any? I've gotten some weird ones in my life. I enjoy this. Do they offend you? No. Like, th- are they usually because usually when you say that like a celebrity looks like you, well, that's a famous person, especially if it's an actor or an actress. So it's supposed to be a little bit flattering, right? I guess I would like take offense because again, that's just what you're you're looking at me. I'm not staring at myself, being like, I think I look like this. But I've got uh, both living beetles when they were young. Uh, I got wait what? Wait, yeah. living beetles? Like like young Ringo Starr, oh, young Paul McCartney. Like, what is that? Uh, I've gotten. Uh, yeah, you don't look like the dead beetles. No, you look not, like not the, the dead ones. Okay. No, of course not. That Good. would be ridiculous. Wait, people told you you look like Paul McCartney? The young Paul McCartney. A young Paul McCartney. Yeah. Okay. Like, did you have a big mop of hair at the time? I, I had some great lettuce. I think I got great lettuce right now. Yeah, yeah but you at, tie back. Give him a good side view. Give him a good side view there. Do we on have Twitch a side view in here? Yeah, we'll, just turn, we'll just turn your head. I mean, uh, I, no, you give them the side view. Right. Turn, turn okay, your head. I'm than, not used to other than living on TV. beetles. That was like a, um, that was like a Paul McCartney hairstyle back in the day. Okay. I've, I've got Beetlemania. Uh, <laughs> once I got the lead tail? singer yeah. of My Chemical Romance, Jared Way. Oh, that feels uh, a little offensive. I got the who's the the goofy actor who played the Joker, Jared Leto. I've Jared gotten, Leto, I've, that's an extremely handsome yeah, these are, these are some Good so, for you. So you look like Paul McCartney and Jared Leto? <laughs> I'm not saying I agree with these. These are just how they present, been presented to me. Like I don't that. know, just Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know. So they this don't is, ask questions. You no, don't want answers is, to. This is the Jealous. issue. This is the issue with... Um, Brad Pitt, Tom Brady, you know. Celebrity doppelgangers yeah. is that no matter what you say, you sound kind of like you're bragging. Yeah. Because usually celebrities... Not always, but a lot of times they're very good looking people. Right. The only celebrity doppelganger I've ever gotten is from like six year old plus people, which is when I was in high school, my teachers all said that I look like the girl from the Partridge family, Lori <laughs> Partridge. And so I like looked her up. The actress is Susan Day. And when I was okay. in high school, that's what all my people teachers would say said. you look like the girl from the Partridge family. Yeah. She's famous I mean, because she like ate only eight oranges and her skin turned orange <laughs> or not oranges carrots she only ate carrots so that's you so that was me okay good <laughs> anyway that's the that's the only celebrity doppelganger i think i've ever gotten in my life so i guess i just don't look like celebrities i bring this all up because there's this show on netflix love is blind they're now in the sixth season and the premise of the show is that they put all these people in these this like big warehouse and they basically live in two separate houses for i don't know two weeks guys on one side girls on the other and they go into these little rooms where there's a wall and you can't see the other person but you go on dates over the course of many many days and you basically build a relationship and at the end of it the guys decide if they're going to propose to one of the girls and there's this little based, workaround. Based just on conversations. No, no based looks. just on conversations. Yeah. And you're not really supposed to talk about what you look like. But some of the people on the show have found this little workaround, which is a question about what celebrity do you look like? And this is what happened this season. Do you ever get told you look like a celebrity? Yeah. Do you? I do. I do too. All the time on the planet. Say it. 
It's I don't even know if it's MGK's wife or her his girlfriend. Megan Fox. <laughs> you saying you look like Megan Fox? Shockingly, this guy proposes to her. Okay, no, <laughs> that makes sense. I would do the same thing. Oh, the person that I'm talking to that I'm building a great little dynamic with because yeah. we're telling jokes back and forth and sharing stories about our families the one that and looks growing like Megan up. Fox, I'm gonna oh, pick her. she looks like Megan Fox. Okay, yeah. I'm in love with you now. Megan Fox, same. <laughs> Same. In. She had a great cameo on New Girl. Very in on Megan Fox. Megan Fox has to be, like, she's like Angelina Jolie. Like, she's one of the most agreed upon sex symbols in America. Yeah, right. And you sit there and you say, people well, always know. tell me I look like Megan Fox. MGK's wife. I guess I just look like yeah, Megan Fox. Yeah, she's like, I don't know her name, yeah. but people tell me all the time. So you've seen the episode. She does or does not look like Megan Fox. Well, I'll let you judge. And so if you're <laughs> watching us on Twitch or oh, if you want to see what this person looks like, if you don't know, it's twitch.tv slash Boston W-E-E-I Zeke. I think we have a picture of what she looks like. I would say there's not a strong resemblance between her and Megan Fox. But what happens that is not that nice is that as soon as they meet each other for the first yeah, time. That is not Megan Fox. Yeah, as soon as this couple meets each other for she the first like time. She looks like Manhands from Seinfeld is who she looks like. There's the, the man in the couple who proposed to her goes like. That, oh, my God. Is that the guy on the. <laughs> that's not nice. Is that the guy on the left? Yeah, what, he's that's no the guy who proposed to her? Yeah. Look at, he, it, look, at his, look, look at his face right now. He's yeah, like, he's oh like, uh, I what thought I had Megan Fox. <laughs> in his interview, he says she lied to me. She does not look like Megan Fox. Well, yeah. I mean, she does not. That doesn't make her necessarily unattractive. Just she definitely does not look like Megan Fox. Do you think that one person told her one time that she looked like Megan Fox? No, I believe no people ever. And she's been claiming it forever? Oh, you think she made it up completely? I think not one person ever has told her. This is the trap. From what I just saw, not one person ever told her she looks like Megan Fox. This is the trap with celebrity doppelgangers. No matter what you say, you sound kind of irrational. But then you... Here's the other trap is that sometimes you tell people that they look like someone and you offend them. And so I messaged Greg Hill this morning because I said, Can we have a round of applause for the food this morning? I said, Are you watching Love is Blind? And he said, No, I heard it's crazy. And I said, Okay, you have a doppelganger on it. I don't know if anyone else has told you this. Uh Can I talk about it on the radio? Do you want to see a picture of him? He said, Is the guy ugly? There is young Greg Hill. Oh, for God's sakes. That is young Greg Hill on the Twitch chat. The only issue here is. Wait, but he he takes, he thinks that he's, that's not, that's not good enough for Greg? Well, no, he hasn't seen the photo. He says, I don't want to see the guy. I don't want to see it. Okay. The biggest issue here is that this guy is a villain. So there's a guy on Love is Blind who looks like Greg Hill, Uh except maybe aged backwards like 15 years or something. And he's a major villain because what he does is he says all this like really nice lovey-dovey stuff to one girl. And then 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 you find out. He just rips her. No, you find out he's saying it to multiple girls. Uh, He's saying the same stuff. So he's a player. Got it. Got it. We have another what picture, a, I think, of young boy. Greg Hill. There's, there's Greg Hill again. This guy looks like Hank Hill. Hank Hill? Well, he's got <laughs> like a King square draw. I think you're focused on the glasses. Let me just tell you, I, the I Twitch can't chat, see anything else, but the Twitch chat does not agree that this individual looks like Greg Hill. Can we see the other picture again? This is Greg Hill. Do you, okay, you have a ruling. Do you think this looks like Greg Hill? Not present day. You're no. you're 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 making the claim he looks like young Greg Hill. Ryan says he looks like. There's Hank a picture Hill. of Greg's mugshot behind you. That's a good you, point, Jones. Ryan. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Like that's what young. He looks like Curtis with hair. But I never knew that Greg <laughs> Hill. I didn't know young Greg younger. I should say. I should stop saying young. Younger he's Greg a young Hill. Man. Yeah, he's a young man. He's in his prime. Um, I never knew younger Greg Hill, and I feel like if there was the movie of Greg Hill, People, this guy could play Greg Hill at you know 38 or whatever. People are now worried about your eyesight. 
Why? People are now worried that Mego is blind. He looks it's like not, half not, the cast of the Big It's not Bang Love Theory. is Blind. It is, it is now Mego is, is, blind. is Blind. And Mego is, uh, this is not very accurate. Now we're tuned in on uh, Greg's mugshot. Oh, I'm sorry. Should I duck? Somebody did like very a beautiful piercing eyes, but I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Okay, Megan, so maybe I'm crazy. Everybody else can weigh in. I think Zeke Zeke said that it looked like him too. So Zeke and I are in agreement. Okay, there are dozens of you. There are dozens of us who <laughs> see this as Greg Hell. Okay. Do you think Greg is going to be flattered or upset by this comparison? I think it's. Well, pretty, I think he should be flattered. I think it's. Well, now what are we saying? <laughs> We're like, well, that person's handsome. He a handsome young man. I mean, that's like a him. handsome young man. So that, now what are we saying? Mego sees uh, a resemblance uh, I think between Greg Hill and that guy. I think that's flattering to be referred to. If 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 I'm being compared to that individual, I think that's flattering. Like exactly. Thank you. If if you were like, oh, I think this guy we, looks like you, Ryan. So like, oh, we, oh, wow, that's nice. What are we now saying about Greg? <laughs> Greg does not look like that guy. <laughs> Greg looks like that guy behind. That handsome guy, Greg looks nothing like him. That's not a very nice thing we're saying, but oh, that's that is not what I mean, I'm that, saying at all. This is what this is kind of the the gist of what we're saying. I feel a little bad because um, I I feel like I'm contributing <laughs> to the toxic conversation around guy, the Megan Fox girl because she's getting H-Horn. ripped online. My what guy H Horn says he should be uh, dancing in the streets with that comparison. Not flattered, dancing in the streets is what. Uh, you my know guy who H-Horn. else he kind of looks like? It's like if Greg Hill and Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald I had see, a baby together. You know what? I think I couldn't quite put my finger on who I thought that it's looked like. It's really strongly it looks, Andrew Callahan. It looks like Andrew Callahan with hair. That guy looks like Will Wheaton. Nope. I mean, I knew Andrew Callahan with hair. No, no, but that is, well, is that what Andrew Callahan looked like? What are these? Kind what, of. What are these cutaways of me in just the top of the top of my head? <laughs> it's the mugshot behind you. trying to get the mugshot. Well, whatever. Of uh, the actual. Uh, the mugshot That's Rick Hill when he's like 17. I'm talking about this guy's like 38. Okay. That does look, I couldn't put my finger on it. That looks like Andrew Callahan. I think that's who I was thinking of. That does look like Andrew Callahan. Yes. Same eyes. Okay, so we can weigh in. Maybe this is our big cue at two tomorrow. Does this guy look more like Greg Hill, Andrew Callahan, or none of the above? Ruins Thursday <laughs> here. Jeez. I mean, that happened to my voice earlier in the I show, was too. trying I to have... think. Also, I can't think of a of a doppelganger for Arcan. Yeah. Um... Nothing comes to mind, right? Oh, Doug Funny. Doug Funny. <laughs> the cartoon character Doug. Doug Funny's the answer. You nailed it. Doug. It's just Doug. So there you go. How would you feel if you were that guy? Yeah, it's Megan Fox. Oh, I just, I don't know. I just got compared to MGK's wife, Megan Fox. That would be my pick as well. Megan Fox? Are you saying it was like Megan Fox? <laughs> he doesn't believe it. Like, that is just, that is just unfortunate. That guy's like, I just hit the lottery. Well, yeah. And un- then? Until reality, yeah. He's like, oh, it was a $5 scratchy. <laughs> uh, Twitch Ch- Chet Hamilton. Arkan looks like Fry from Futurama. <laughs> Okay, so here we go. On Twitch, you can see Andrew Callahan. Do we see more of a resemblance? Andrew's going to kill me for this, by the way. (laughs) Why? Because I don't think he wants to look like that guy on Love is Blind. He doesn't want his hair back? (laughs) (laughs) The Love is Blind guy. He's a handsome guy. Dr. Leonard, let's go. I think he wants his hair back. Uh, anyway, that's uh, Meg's planning each and every day at this time here on Jones and Mego with Arkan. Arkan, Arkan. Arkan looks like Eli Manning. We just got a text of that. That's kind of rude. I don't think that's a compliment. Shapeless humans. Let's wrap it up (laughs) with picks for tonight at Bet Roulette. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI. We're right back to it. Jones and Mego on WEEI. WEEI. Teams out there do believe that the Bruins are trying to upgrade their roster. And all you have to do is look at what they are capable of 
and say, it's not coming out of the draft. Do they really want to deal their top prospects, some of whom have already played in the NHL? I don't think so. So if they want to make changes, it probably has to come off their roster. And that's why I think people are looking at Allmark. Now, I don't think it's impossible. He has some control. But the whole thing is, if the Bruins are trying to win the Stanley Cup, then why would you subtract from one of your greatest strengths? Let me take this one for Elliot Friedman on his 32 Thoughts podcast. Because uh, you only play one goalie at a time. That's why. What do you mean? So I haven't listened to this podcast, to be honest. Is every episode 32 points he makes? Because if it's like he's well, he's rattling off no, that's 32 he hot takes. So that's what he does in print. So okay. every every week in print, you know, he's kind of the Peter King of Canada. Gotcha. Uh, Peter King calling it a career today. But he does like yeah, a congrats, weekly. Congrats, Peter King. A weekly column. And it's 32 points. And I think he's just adopted the podcast name. I think. I don't believe he goes through 32 Then I think it should be like five points on the podcast because it's false uh, advertising. I like Elliot Friedman. I like Jeff Merrick. They do the podcast together, but it can, uh, it's a little dry. It's two Canadians uh, politely chit chatting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's two Canadians politely chit Should have heard Boy. what I cut out of this thing. Uh, <laughs> two, two Canadians politely chit chatting. Then they drink milk out of a bag. <laughs> About Lena Zolmar. Where else are you going to drink it from? And the Bruins moving him. Really I, quick aside, yeah. have you ever heard of canned bread? Yes. Well, yeah, like the brown, like brown bread. Yeah. I only heard about this a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I found out it's supposed to be a New England thing. Oh, it's delicious. It sounds disgusting. It's, first it's, of all, uh, just, just try lived it. It's here great. for over a decade. I've never seen this anywhere. Spectacular. And I've never yeah. seen anyone serve That's it. That's a hot take. Yeah. Give it at, at, at like a with like some some beans. Yeah. Great. When you Be- shake co- that can cookout, out, beans. Uh, uh, canned bread, hot dog, delicious. Okay, so if you it it comes in a little can, right? Spectacular. I'll stand by. Okay, it. like yes. a soup can. Yeah. So you sh- you pat that out of the can and it where falls do, out. Does it expand? Where do Where does the Don't where, isolate that. Does it Does it like it blow up into a bigger um bread or is yeah. it the size of the can? No, no, it expands. Okay. I think is my recollection. It's been a while since I've had it, but I I believe it expands. Yeah. Uh, wh- what about like Pillsbury? That's different. That's, That's in a can. But you bake it. You do bake it. I that's also would dope. not say that saying, is spectacular food either. Like we're oh, really parsing the, I'm parsing the word spectacular. Th- those are those are spectacular. Awesome. Yeah, they're fine. Spectacular. Brown bread. Good. Thing. Yeah, you should try it. Don't knock it. Don't knock it till you try it. You know what? Bread. I'll try it. I'll try. I'll try it in studio sometime. We'll make that a whole bit. It'll I, be great. Uh, Bill I, Belichick will come in and try on different helmets. I tried Ryan's. We'll be rolling over in laughter. I tried Ryan's terrible juice that one time. It wasn't so bad. It wasn't bad at all. I was oh, very no ter- need juice. I was very terrified. I, I still have that, that sitting in my refrigerator. It was we not as bad summer. as like a wheatgrass shot. Remember when those were hot in the streets? I do. I yeah. do. Uh, speaking of hot in the streets, let's get to some picks for tonight. Bet roulette. I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have the money and the hammer, or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. You don't f*** around in this place. You got it? Boom! Boom! That's it! Gambling! Bet Roulette brought to you by Cars for Kids. Easy way to donate your car. You can donate today. Your car will be picked up tomorrow. Go to carsforkids.com or 1877 cars for kids Mego, not a lot of time. 
Why don't you okay. roll away here, ba, 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 if you don't ba. mind? I what got a six. six. Number six. Uh, ooh, this is going to be a big point spread. We are okay. looking at the Detroit Pistons in Madison Square Garden tonight. <laughs> Mego, the Knicks, and this is not the favorable line, but the Knicks are 11 and a half point Yeesh. favorites to okay. the Pistons. Brenton's playing, right? I believe he is, yes. Yeah, I'll give that. Yeah, he uh, played the know, other night against the Celtics, yeah. Yeah, I'll give that to, no, I'm just checking in, making sure, because um, they have so many injuries. I'll give that to the Knicks, yes. Yeah, 11 and a half. That's a big point a spread. Big number. But the Pistons are really bad. Andy Hart had a big point spread of uh, OKC Thunder 15 and a half. That covered last week. Wow. So these things are happening. Good for Andy. Uh, so Mego takes the Knicks covering 11 and a half. I rolled a one, Ryan. Oh, you're going to like this, Jones. It's your Brooklyn Nets. Nice. Some more New York basketball action. They are in Memphis taking on the Marcus Smartless Memphis Grizzlies. The Net, uh, Yes, the Brooklyn Nets are a two point favorite, Jones. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take the Brooklyn Nets. Favored by two and a half by against the Grizzlies? Two. By two. I'm sorry, two? Two points. Again, these headphones have been a little uh, finicky today. That's okay. Poor Carpenter who blames his tools, uh, but I will do that. Uh, Brooklyn by two. Easy okay. pick. I, I don't even need to think twice about it. Easy pick. Uh, so we have a couple of New York teams thus far. Ryan, why don't you roll? Or Brian's going to roll for uh, Ryan? That's a three, Ryan. I got a three, and this is... <laughs> I had the Miami Heat losing to the uh, New Orleans Pelicans in the game that Jimmy Butler and friends got thrown out of. He is suspended for this game because the Miami Heat are a plus seven to cover in Sacramento tonight against my beloved Sacramento Kings, who just played last night and beat the bag off the L.A. Clippers. That was a fun game. However, a little swerve here. I am taking the Miami Heat what? to cover what? seven Woo! points. You hate yes, the Heat. And you I love do. The Kings. I don't respect the Heat, and I do love the Kings, but the Kings played last night, and I think that the offense is going to open up a little bit without Jimmy Butler being there. All those tryhards like Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero are going to go out and give it their all with vim and vigor. So, yes, I think that they will cover seven points easily tonight. Uh, so we have Miami plus seven, Brooklyn favored by two, the Knicks by 11 and a half. I do want to update. Apparently, it's been a while since I've had brown bread. It does He's, not expand. You were totally inaccurate I on your brown expands. bread descriptions according to the text line. I was. I just doesn't expand. What else was wrong? It cooks in the can. I didn't. I didn't, no. I said when I brought up Pillsbury, you said Pillsbury. You have to cook, and I said, yeah, yeah you don't have to do that with bread. Well, you bake it. Yeah, but I, I feel like I was accurate with that part. But I oh, thought, finally, Mego's talking about woman stuff. I thought it expanded out of the can. I guess not. Uh, but brown bread spectacular. I stand by that. Uh, so there you go. It's bet roulette. Our picks for tonight. Rich Keith standing by with... Noted can bread fan. By yes, yes, yes. Uh, Rich Keith standing by with Fitzy. They got you covered tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2 o'clock here on WEI. That's you the pumpkin market. The greatest gift I don't know me. this song. And the card inside would say thank you for <laughs> being a friend. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.